is the biggest threat this country has faced for decades. We're seeing the devastating impact of this invisible killer. There will come a moment when no health service in the world could possibly cope because there won't be enough ventilators, enough intensive care beds, enough doctors and nurses. That is the moment of real danger. The new variant is out of control and we need to bring it under control and this news about the new variant has been a uh, an incredibly difficult end to, frankly, an awful year. And it's important for everybody to act, essentially act like they might have the virus. And that's the way that we can control it together. The way ahead is hard. And it is still true that many lives will sadly be lost. Our advisory group on new and emerging respiratory virus threats, NERVTAG, has spent the last few days analyzing this new variant. It may be up to 70% more transmissible than the old variant, the original version of the disease. You might be infectious, and that's the way that we have to behave at this moment. Assume you might be infectious. Assume you might be infectious. And that's the way that we have to behave at this moment. Today, the United Kingdom's chief medical officers have advised that the country should move to alert level five, meaning that uh, if action is not taken, NHS capacity may be overwhelmed within 21 days. And it's going to spread further. And I, I must level with you, level with the, the British public, um, more families, uh, many more families, are going to lose loved ones before their time. Your colleague on stage, John Edmonds, has just sent me a statement saying that as far as he's concerned, this is the worst moment of the epidemic because of the extraordinary inf infectivity of this new strain. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, this is a horrible moment, for sure. I to say, I'm really sorry to hear about your two relatives who died from this virus. I mean, it is a very dangerous virus uh, for many people. We're looking to move to a different regime, so as we come to the fourth step, we will change the basic tools that we have used to control human behaviour.
after reading that law line. I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they're actually playing with. They are, in a coup they might come and fucking intimidate me and whatnot. But fuck, they do not understand what the fuck just one person like myself is capable of. They do not fucking understand. No fucking vaccine or MRA will ever flow through my fucking blood blood. Never! I will fucking die fucking fighting for my forefathers and my fucking lineage. Fuck these motherfuckers. I'm on mute, aren't I? Uh, so welcome, 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 everyone. Um, uh, different stream format today. Uh, I'm waiting for uh, Shogun Rikazu to join in. Um, this is a sort of uh, pre-show to a Twitter space that will be, uh, it's primarily for Charles um, to be speaking about Diffuse. Um, I'll be uh, hanging about, um, seeing if I can add something useful to the conversation um and we were just going to shoot the shit about uh what's been happening um in uh, in the covid space i guess in the uh well maybe we'll even get into a bit of uh geopolitics who knows uh, we'll see where um this takes us all right so i see shogun riksu is with us let me do this and let me do this and you give me a sound check there sir can you hear me can you hear me i can um i'll wait for the audience to say if the levels are okay um but you should just have that thing cranked right <laughs> up just it seems so <sighs> yeah it sounds good so yeah well, how are you being, Brock? Uh, well, you know, um, still feeling crappy. Only had one visit to the ER since we last talked on here, so mm. that's good. Only that's one. Yeah. Previous couple weeks, yeah. 
Yeah, so, I guess if you plot it out over time, that's uh, improvement, I guess. But um, we don't want you. Let's hope that's the last one, at least. Um, that, yeah. Well, I finally have a doctor's appointment tomorrow. Thanks, VA. So, and that was scheduled uh, <clears throat> nearly a month to get you in. December twenty third. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy so, shit, man! Um, so I'm excited. Mm, if I'm lucky, they'll even listen to me and maybe even s- schedule some. Should Should like, we be taking odds on that though? What's that? Should we be taking odds on if they'll listen to you? What's the under? I mean, the odds are very good. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to tell them what I do and what I've done for the last four years because mm. then they'll definitely kill me. <laughs> like, oh, well, we, we have a veteran who leaked classified documents and is going to be a whistleblower. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be, we're going to get right on his, his health problems. <laughs> yeah. So actually, I, w- I was, as you were joining, I was trying to lay out what the stream format is today and it's a Twitter space. So maybe, and it's, 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 I said, it's essentially your Twitter space. So um, perhaps you should tell everyone um, what it's about. Uh, Well, it's not like I've like put together a bunch of slides or anything. Um, We saw how useful um, preparation was in the Colin debate. So not, well, not that I need to to do that, but really this space is just, you know, to A, continue talking about Diffuse to a wider audience, but more importantly, more specifically, to talk about what this latest, all this latest stuff that's happened in the last couple of weeks, what that actually means mm-hmm. and in terms of, okay, what does this tell us about Diffuse and what is this, what context does this provide for the bigger picture? Mm. Um, and so, and there's really well, I was just gonna like say, two or three big things particularly in light of um, continued criticism that's coming from eh, you-know-who, and, you know, that's being picked up by... The stoner who shall not be named? Yeah, that that Um, So Nick Hudson, obviously, is going around slapping purity tests on people. Um, Oh, oh, oh. so that, yeah, so just to let everybody know, like, um, for the next... 40 minutes all we're really going to do since you guys already know about diffuse and i'm going to talk about the the updated stuff and hopefully kevin will do some too because he can explain the scientific part a little better but um until then i mean there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on like and what you just references i mean before you get into that most important thing bit of housekeeping folks uh Feed the coon and the marine. What we raised today. This is uh, war fighting shekels for the both of us. So uh, please, please, please. We gotta get Charles a new chair. I'm sure that's not helping his uh, <laughs> blood pressure. So um, please, well, please, please. Yeah. There, well, um, thankfully, um, as of yet, I haven't received a bill for any of the help. I've received a lot of papers from the four different ER visits I had. But nothing that I have to cover yet. Mm. Um, there's some. Let, there's let's some, make sure there's a, a little buffer there. For well, uh, I mean, the real the real buffer is I got to my uh, my savings is basically gone now as of as mm. of the end of January. So, um, 
times are going to be tight. And uh, so, yes, anything that anything that you can provide, it would be greatly appreciated because I'm having to, I've had, thankfully being at home has saved me a lot of money, not being able to go out and do anything and just laying on the couch. But in the bigger picture, um, it'd be nice to be able to afford to, you know, go eat shitty food that destroys my stomach every now and then. So and light up on that we'll, do, we'll do other things that we might have, you know, take care of my family, et cetera. Yeah. But anyway, so yes, so that's most important, but yeah, until we, until we do this space with Jake, uh, the America shaman, <clears throat> the only one of us who has been imprisoned, uh, unconstitutionally recently, I'm hoping I don't eventually join him. <laughs> right. Especially now, dude. Um. <laughs> Uh, I don't end up like Gonzalo Lira, right, right? But anyway, yeah. But there's a oh, there's a there's a whole bunch of coup tards, or you know, cooey tards, uh, going off. Nick Hudson among them, uh, Jessica Hockett. There and they've been really going after, uh, well, Diffuse, of course, but also, even more so, uh, Kevin McKernan, and apparently, uh, John one one Doctor Jonathan Cooey seems to think that. Uh, Kevin McKernan may have had a role in his exit from CHD, which I didn't even know he had been exited from CHD, but that's, that's sad news. Really oh yeah. Is. My, my heart bleeds in this instance, bro. My heart does bleed. Yeah. Just... It only took them an extra year mm. to figure out that, well, whatever. He's so, so yeah, I, I think we should just, you know, cover the, the latest retardation. Uh, mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, um, you know, he did the Wolfgang Wodak. Wodak? I'm not sure how you pronounce the last name. Wolfgang Vodard. Vodard. Um, and I haven't watched it, but there was uh, um, Mortality Watch had sort of put together some clips. And, you know, the, the central premise again is that the RNA viruses are unable to maintain fidelity in any meaningful manner to allow for um, transmission chains. Um, Does Wodart say that? Um, from my quick summation of the clips that I've watched, I heard some sort of agreement there. Whether whether he was just being polite, we should probably at some point look through that that stream in depth. But you know, I'm, I mean, once you've watched one Kui stream, you've kind of generally watch them all and yeah the, like the only the only real difference was was that clip it's only a couple minutes i don't know if you if you have it somewhere but the one that um mckernan uh linked to where it was talking about i think it's about three minutes where he where he's talking about why he uh, thinks okay. mckernan is why he got fired yeah. now of course there's there's several possible reasons for that because McKernan wasn't the only one mm. getting attacked and and pointing these things out, but uh, oh, but that's an excellent clip. Yeah, let me just try and find that link. Um, but yeah, that so you know the and so this premise, a uh, hypothesis. I, I hate I hate to call it that at this this point, but. Um, the idea that RNA is not a 
not a viable, yeah, a viable way of um, transmitting genetic information across lineages, across essentially it has to be across evolutionary timescales and essentially geologic timescales because you know we seem to be able to um, find these entities uh, you know they find them in ice cores etc there's all this stuff about um uh, what the, whether methane melts and permafrost that's the word i'm looking for um where um the I'm closing in on it, but they're finding all sorts of pathogens, et cetera, in, in this. And, and so they, wait, they, they find viral pathogens mm -mm -mm. in ice cores. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Dinosaurs must've been spreading infectious clones. <laughs> We're going to have to rewrite our whole history of science. Right. Right. That's how I found it. I, I don't know how they did that with their, with their non-opposable fingers, but. Well, you know, I saw a Tyrannosaurus Rex leap out of a, uh, armored vehicle and fire a uh, artillery shell into the Gaza Strip earlier this <laughs> week. Who knows what they were capable of? <laughs> did you see uh, that clip? No, I, I did not. He um, literally had a, a, you know, I guess uh, I guess it was kind of funny if it didn't kill anyone. Um, but the... <laughs> Are you yeah. sure it wasn't? Hillary Clinton. <laughs> I, mean, like, I was moving too fast and not coughing up her uh, diaphragm. <laughs> so, uh, God, where is it? Uh, I got it. I got it. Um, all right. So let me do this. Bring this down here, and I will um, share screen. Share sound. All right, so let's do that. And I guess we've got two minutes. First, I made him say, yeah, recombination happens all the time. It makes him really good. So and it'd be better just preface this. So he's um, he's talking about Kevin McKernan here, um, I guess, in discussions that they had in the past. And <clears throat> um, in this instance, uh, well, Recombination meaning that when you have two of the same species, I guess, on different subclades of viruses, if they're present in the same cell, then recombination can occur if there's complementary bases that would um, overlap during um, the transcription um, process. And yeah, I, I I think it's a sort of established. Well, I don't I, I don't have a number on how common it is, right? But it seems to be a theoretical, uh, um, and at least backed with some data that recombination is uh, what these and how large genomic elements could perhaps transfer from one clay to another, and this is what Zunati argue which is yeah. that the, the, those um, CGG codons um, <laughs> must have uh, jumped in yep. from a, another, another coronavirus. And the, well, um, 
<laughs> but we should let him talk. Hang on. Hang on. Good. And then I said, yeah, but doesn't recombination a lot of times result in dead ends? Oh, yeah, it does. Sure, it does. Yeah, absolutely. And so we kept circling back to the infectious cycle cartoon being horribly wrong. The infectious cycle cartoon is horribly wrong. And the way you overcome it is to make a lot of pure RNA. And he just didn't want to see it. He doesn't want to understand it because it's his job not to understand it or to make sure that the people that are listening have the least likelihood of understanding it when he's around. And that's... Um, again, you know, this it, it's strange to me when, you know, the what, what I consider to be the leading edge of where we are with the scientific analysis. I know there's this big struggle... I'm glad those people are fighting the lab origin and sort of forensically going over there. But in my mind, the um, the fact that once lab origin is on the table, then biowarfare hypothesis comes into play. And um, any and all methods for delivery essentially on the table, right? And so we, we it should just sort of be axiomatic at this point that... Um, um, of course, they would be using infectious clones because we know that they were doing um, this recombinant biology, um, recombinant virology, and the um, and well, the, the simple the simple fact is is that you've got to explain other RNA viruses that are identified consistently in the environment, and you, you know you did a very nice presentation just about swarm stability um which is yep. um it, it's important for people to understand it's not this rapidly highly unstable uh cloud of virions right well um, it is if you want it to be i mean you mean if you design it that way or you just want to think it's that well way? if you just want to talk bullshit i mean i like how he's got um he has volume one and two of principles of virology on the screen as if he's pulling his ideas from that, which he's not. Mm. And once again, this is him portraying something as being more scientifically sound than it actually is. Mm. And I mean, but I, I really like, we should, people should understand what it is that he's responding to. Um, and this part of it is amazing. The seeding clone hypothesis is chemtrail retarded. The most efficient mechanism would be to package virus and infect a few people in a city. Shocking. Transportation takes care of the rest. It's almost like this is common sense. Right. <laughs> Dropping clones everywhere, hoping for magical transfection to occur while having an endless parade of spies dropping, spreading these clones around is keystone cop move when the packaged virus will perform all of this skullduggery for you. You expose yourself to an infinite number of more disclosure points and chances of getting caught. Leaking the virus provides camouflage and plausible deniability as folks question the source for years. The Keystone Cop clone chemtrail hypothesis requires teams of covert people and frankly is stupid if you know how to package virus. Mm. So that's the logic that JC's arguing against here. Mm. 
Um, well, let's uh, let's continue. That's what this is about. That's why you call it chemtrail retarded, <laughs> and make it seem like all the the ideas that make sense are his. Even though none of the ideas in this whole paragraph are his, they're either TV narrative about ACE two affinity, or they're my clone hypothesis being made fun. So you know this ACE two affinity has been you know, pretty solidly demonstrated time and time again. Um, it was demonstrated in January twenty twenty, and so to pretend that that's not a thing now. Look, does it have other entry pathways? Yes course um you would expect this and but they're in effect like fallback mechanisms right that the virus goes to extraordinary lengths to fold its peptides into such a way as to be um to have that affinity for ace2 right it, it's and it in, from an evolutionary perspective, it makes sense to do that because they're a, a ubiquitous receptor and um, can impacting them can cause very quick dysregulation in the individual such that it allows and gives a, an advantage to the virus in this instance. And I don't know, I don't know why people would just keep biting off you've got to, you've got to have some footing on the extant literature right to be no you don't <laughs> okay. that's why that's why he doesn't show it anymore mm. and what's stunning is that he spent you know a year on the immunology but now is pretending that ace2 binding is irrelevant mm. like how could you how could you, those two things be coexist in the same person at the same time when you're talking in depth, pretty intelligently, um, about the interactions with the immune system, but then pretending that those same things that make it pathogenic can't possibly make it transmissible. Mm. It, 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 it's so stupid. Fun of, but not really being made fun of at all, just being misrepresented. This is a no, guy made that fun sold of. companies. This is. A yeah, yeah. At this at this point, it's just a piss take. Um, I don't. Know. I mean, we've spent so long on this. Just and like I said, I get it. So actually, um, Iggy made a suggestion. Um, and Iggy, if you're listening, um, there's a t Twitter space is coming up. Um, please. And I don't know if you've got time after that. Maybe I, I know Iggy wants to talk to you. So, um, maybe um, you have time to do that. But uh, I'm getting sidetracked. Uh, the um, I forgot what I was saying now. Where where were we? I just talking about how we are making fun of him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I was just saying we spent so much time, and it, what Iggy suggested was you need to do like a what what I do occasionally, which is like a condensed um lecture format of what you have, and you know, key point slides, and pack it into like thirty minutes. 45 minutes and you know you've got i would say probably double digit subject matters into which you could make um 30 minute um yeah i didn't mean to do that i just to be honest i did make a couple of videos 
uh, during the summer. And like one was like three minutes, one was 10 minutes. And I do want to do that. And, and I actually have slides and stuff. I've just been, mm. once I finally got settled in here and, and we got to the holidays, I've just been sick for the last month to the mm. point where I don't want to do anything. So, so we're working on it. Mm. Well, you know, you kind of got sick from any transmissible virus, RNA virus. <laughs> We know that yeah. much now. Yeah. This is a guy whose brothers have cancer companies. This is a guy whose family is probably worth $250 million. This is. Wait, 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 wait. You're saying there's a high degree of competence in this family and um, they've been scientifically successful? <laughs> well, we should Unlike just throw away everything he says then. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so we can't listen to you because. You're not worth $250 million or whatever. I mean, he's pulling this number out of his ass. He has no idea. Mm. Or whatever. All right. I reckon Kev's not short of a bob or two, but, you know. <laughs> All right. Um... This is a guy who's got a house that's worth more than my entire ancestry. I'm sorry. Owns. Um, uh, that sounds pretty bitter. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds terrible. I would hate that. <sighs> I would hate to be successful. <laughs> what a what a odd um, way to go about trying to create a scientific rebuttal to that, right? And you know, I guess, I guess he's you know, Kev's being he could argue Kev's being somewhat flippant by talking about Keystone Cops, etc. But um, there is there is a lot of science there. Kev has done um, very good um, written rebuttals to um, this mass seeding of clones, which you would have had to do essentially globally um, and continually, right? This is the thing. Otherwise, right, because you can't get um, strains of uh, variants of concern, anything like that. If... Well, it's it's stunning that that he's he's choosing to forget what um, Kevin first came onto the COVID scene for doing, which was arguing against the PCR tests. So right. mm. at that point, he was a hero. But suddenly, now when he's pointing out flaws in JC's argument, um, he's he's the devil. Mm. I mean. That's not the sign. That's not the sign that you have a good argument when, you know, yeah, you're when, not when you when you flip flop from one to the other, um... right? As he's done with literally all of us. I mean, mm. he, I guess he never really liked you that much, but mm. you know, our feeling was mutual. But yeah, well, I mean, what can I say? Yeah, I'm an acquired the... taste. Mm. You are an acquired taste. Um, that is, uh, that <laughs> but is definitely. Uh... There is uh, a weighty scientific uh, truth that comes through, and uh, the, so there is there there is a diamond in the rough. Mm. Well, it's, but the thing is, it's 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 a useful mechanism I found online, where you've got to deal with a lot of people, right? And so if they can't if they can't get past the the 
what they perceive as the personality um, deficits from their perspective, then they can't. They're not doing science, and so that's a good filter to just say, okay, you're um, you're you're wasting time here. You can't do the science, and uh, you can't yeah you can't think straight without your um, emotional brain kicking in. And um, I'm I'm surprised that people can't get past his ego deficits. Like, uh, me. Yeah, like I'm just stunned that that people watch what he's saying, watch and listen to him, and then they think, oh, well, this is this is the right way to go about it is to attack everybody, mm. you know, with made up theories and tear everybody apart. Like I don't. I don't know who that appeals to, but maybe that's why his audience but is smaller than yours. It, it 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 circulates. The idea circulates just around the idea of um, what happened in the last four years, right? If it, it, so, ipso facto, he's got to he's got to say that what, whatever it was, there was some form of attack made, right? But essentially, what they're doing is saying it was all. You could argue it's kind of like uh, Desme. Is that his name? Uh, the mass psychosis. Oh, uh, Desmet. Yeah. Yeah, and um, everything was just the um, use of psychological <clears throat> operations, and this yeah. this is a it's a really really foolish way to go about trying to. Um, counter what could be potentially coming next and not understanding the potential gravity of what actually just happened um particularly if uh, these long term long term consequences are emerging that uh, are probably linked to these prion amyloidogenic epitopes and because in his mind they can't exist they can't go from person to person, and anything that's being detected is uh, fake. And you're just going to slam straight into uh, the people who've worked hands-on with it. Um, you know, I, I was reading this post from um, Philip Buckholtz, just how he he made his own primers. Um, was testing his family, tested himself. You know, he did get vaccinated, etc. He described the different run-ins that he had. He had, um, uh, well, relatively benign, but also very hard experiences. And this, um, that type of, you're just saying that that all of that doesn't exist. <clears throat> all of those people are making stuff up. All of That's those great. people must be um, some sort of um, contrived and um, coordinated. Um, yeah, you know, like soldiers for psychological operations again. Um, well, clearly, I mean, I mean, that's obviously why um, <clears throat> the Saturday before Philip Buckholz testified in the South Carolina Senate. Uh, he drove up here to meet me and it was all so that way I could deliver to him the narrative that he needed to spin <laughs> had nothing to do with him admiring my work or coming to pick up the vials that I'd brought back from Japan mm. or, you know, thinking that I was a hero. Nope. 
it was all so that he drove six hours so that way I could deliver unto him the narrative. We've and got then, to contain that cooey. <laughs> which is <laughs> great just... timing because I didn't know that he was going to be testifying that next week. So, mm. so that was just good timing on my part for the narrative building, clearly. Mm. Mm. Um, so, well, you know, same with me, you know, going to JC's house when, you know, he invited me, but then pretends that he didn't. He invited my family. And so my wife and daughter, like they know because they were there that we were invited. They invited us to stay in their basement and I declined. And that was a week before we actually got there. So, you know, but that's all just fake and gay. Um, and everything else I've done, going to Japan to meet you, uh, meeting Karma Doc or, or Andrew Huff or, you know, all these other people. Nope. Just all just narrative control. Mm. Yeah. It's it's a weird state to get yourself into. And and the thing is, but look, they're trying to put up some type of counter to what's actually happening. Right. So you know, okay, that's heading in the right direction. Um they're trying to focus on vaccines somewhere and the tyrannical um, trajectory that emerges from essentially Bolshevism emerging through um, the medical system. But they can't make that step and say, well, that then becomes a coordinated biowarfare attack. It's all just, um, it's all just done with the TV. And, right. uh, and, and well, this is why I told Jicky and he really liked, well, a lot of people really liked this apparently, but in DMs, <clears throat> this is what I said. Um, it's a false dichotomy in which you aren't allowed to believe that your rights can be protected while believing that gain of function viruses are a danger. Mm. It's, it's I mean, the simplest way I can explain it. Those two things can coexist and they do coexist in the real world. Mm -hmm. But it, whether it's because they, they don't want to consider the possibility or they don't want to be wrong. They don't want to, they don't want to admit that they're wrong or they're just, spinning a narrative themselves, maybe some combination of all three, depending on who we're talking about, uh, that they refuse to consider that possibility, which is stupid. When you have something of this magnitude, you don't rule out any possibility until you have enough evidence to do so. Mm -mm. And um, I'm just reading that text as well. His next squid ink is to claim it could not spread as fast and thus needs to be seeded from clones. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. In a world of modern air travel, um, <laughs> you know, and I mean, I got sick after flying through a place where there was an outbreak. Mm. So, uh oh, so how, how dare you? you, you I know, how, how dare me? So, so I lied, I mm. lied about getting sick in on March 9th of 2020. I lied when I went to the doctor and I had a hundred and three fever and, you know, patchiness in my lungs and I tested negative for everything. You know, I lied about all that. Lied it must have been the flu. Uh, but yeah. that's, that's an RNA Except virus. they tested the flu. That's an RNA Except, virus though. Oh, 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 that's true. Well, HIV isn't real then either. So no, that's, no that's, flu, that's, no H RSV yeah. isn't real. Mm. So there you go. Yeah. So all, the, all these classes. Measles isn't real. Uh, aren't um, 
there's no way for them to um, maintain coherence over any extended period of time if you follow his line of reasoning, right? And um, well, his line of reasoning can't maintain any coherence. So, and the look, um, clones as a way to um, build out a armory of such. Yeah, okay, I, I don't have an issue with that. Um, but the the idea that you were taking plasmid and then spraying that everywhere and plasmid was transfecting people in that instance. Mm, I'm not so sure because you've got to, you've got to um, account for all the other associated peptides that have been um, identified and you're not getting nuclear capsule isn't real. Right. <laughs> There's um, I suppose you could say, well, they're, they're seeding all the, all the plasmid um, peptides at once, right? So nucleocapsid, um, plasmid, uh, whatever, membrane, envelope, plasmid, uh. um, all these things. So it, it's sort of, it's adding more and more epicycles to something that doesn't need it if the point is to try to get down to, did we just get assaulted and essentially picked up and getting ready to be suplexed by these people that were responsible. And they're, they're still arguing about, um, is that person actually there and picking us up off the floor when you know, the rest of us are like, well, how the fuck do we get out of this? And, um, you know, what's the, you have to understand the weaponry in the first place to, to do that. And he, it's, he just can't bring the weight of evidence forward in my mind to um, to reinforce his position. It's an appeal to emotion, and that's what Nick well, Hudson is doing. It's an appeal to emotion. It's an appeal to um, authority. Um, and once again, JC in particular has done this. He's appealing to authority by having, you know, a PhD, having worked in biology. But then he's that's that's one of to me like one of the biggest sins you can make as a scientist is to appeal to authority. Uh, and appealing to authority is exactly what Fauci was doing in saying, oh well we need to we need to stop all this conspiracy theory talk. Well, Fauci and Francis Collins and all these people, that's exactly what they did. They were trying to appeal to authority. And once again, JC is doing, using the exact same tactics, but justifying it just like they did because, oh, well, there, it serves a bigger purpose, mm. but it's wrong. It's still wrong. It doesn't matter if it's him or anybody else. Mm. I mean, the fact that the fact that Panda has gone full Kimtard, right. uh, you know, that's depressing because, because Panda has gained some, you know, cachet or, you know, some I don't, I don't get how though. I don't get what they I, were doing to sort of get the the actually uh, quite a coterie of. Well, I know people are pissed off with Panda, um, Mary, for instance. She she's <laughs> seen through them very early on. Um, well, I mean, Kevin and like there's a whole bunch of people like who are interacting with Panda, just like they were interacting with JC. 
until they realize, holy shit, um, they're going too far. Mm. And, you know, I mean, Nick is, um, um, he, he's presenting stuff to Panda. And, and once again, it's not, it, it's not bad to, to go into these places and, and interact with them. We should be discussing with them. But what Panda is, what, what Nick Hudson is doing now, sorry, I was talking about our space kitty Nick there for a minute. But what Nick Hudson is doing now is the same appeal to emotion bullshit that JC is doing. Mm -hmm. So that's when you know that you're, when you have to go to that instead of going through the data, which is literally in their name, pan data. Mm. Uh, I don't like you've, you've switched over from a researcher or a scientist into a propagandist, mm -hmm. which is exactly why, why everybody despised it. But I went and debated John Cullen because it needed to be done. And because I'm not a propagandist, so I'm willing to go into different places and have people question what I'm saying. Mm. And yeah, JC and is it, not doing that. It showed them for what they are as well. And, uh, right. It did expose them. but mm. And that was depressing because, you know, the conversation needed to be moved forward. And all they did was turn it into some, you know, turn me into a Nazi, apparently. <laughs> for for I couldn't believe it. I didn't see it at first. I couldn't believe it. Because I still haven't seen the videos, but I couldn't believe it when they, apparently they said that because my kids are blonde, that I'm a Nazi. Is is that what? Well, it's just, uh, it came up in a conversation. I was just like, well, we need to preserve those genes, bro. The, the blue hair, <laughs> blue eyed, blonde hair. And, uh, I mean, that... Rixie's except for me, like, well, they, their hair goes dark when they get older, but like all Rixies have blonde hair and blue eyes. I got hazel eyes from my mom, but otherwise I'm a clone of my dad, just shorter. Mm. And like through all the generations, blonde hair, blue eyes, and all three of my kids, blonde hair, blue eyes, until they started getting older. So it has nothing to do with, you know, being an Aryan race or, or anything like that. Mm. I mean, that's absolutely asinine. Right. It, uh, it just shows the level that he's operating on. And like I say, oh, very much. Yeah. And look, man, someone, someone who's operating drones in Ukraine around the Maidan coup, et cetera, and all involved with uh, Israeli Air Force types and Unit 8200 types, uh, that's, uh, that's a... Um, that's that's a, not suspicious. Just because <laughs> they were just because they were in Ukraine in 2014 doesn't mean anything. I mean, heck, Hunter Biden was there just shortly after that. <laughs> perfectly legit. DJ broke. So you're just trying to smear. This is a smear campaign, Kevin. How right. dare you? <laughs> um, Should we... We've got 10 minutes before the <sighs> Twitter space. Should we let it play out? It gets sweeter. Yeah, yeah. Let's just finish mm -hmm. this up. And he spends his time ridiculing me. A guy who just got laid off for, after six months of working for CHD, who's supposed to be this organization that would support a guy like me. Wop <laughs> so, First of all, it's not six months. So if he just got laid off, he was there for an additional year after I was let go. Mm. Which means... Well, and actually, I calculated it up because it was 15 months through the 15th of January. 
That means, you know, not that I want to, that means he earned six figures in 15 months just from CHD pre-tax. So not, not including anything that he raises from the people who support his stream or, or the fact that his wife works or anything else. He's telling you that he made six figures in the last 15 months, just the last 15 months. And then he's bitching about how he, he, he's never owned a home or anything like that. Uh, <clears throat> I can almost guarantee that from the time I was 20 years old, JC has always made significantly more than me. The most I ever made in a single year by myself in the Marine Corps was just under $60,000 before taxes. Fuck me. That's, uh, that's better than most of what I did for my scientific career. <laughs> right, right. Okay, well, you know, exchange rates and, and shit like that. But once again, that was only at the tail. That was in the last couple of years mm. at the final rank that I was at. Um, and if you, that's, if I remember correctly, that's including like the housing allowance that we got, which was, which was like 1500 bucks a month, typically depending on where we were. Mm. And that would have been in my early days, that was half my income or more. So whatever the math is, he's always made more than me. And yet by the time that I was 36 years old, I had bought three homes on my own income, on one income, making probably half of what he makes or made as an associate professor or researcher or whatever the title was. So when he bitches and complains about being poor, um, that's disgusting to me because I'm poor now. I'm living solely off my my disability income in a 700 square foot apartment. Um, remember, folks, feed the coon. Feed that marine. Uh, let's get Charles a, uh, a better a better chair and not the. Um... <laughs> yeah, I got. I have a thirteen dollar Walmart chair. Yeah, but... let's let's try and get him a fifty dollar Walmart chair. <laughs> yeah, I gave up. I gave up all that. I had to sell my house and I foreclosed on the on my second home, which I'd rented out since I'd since we built it in 2014 when I was stationed in, in Missouri. Uh, so it's not like I was rolling in the, in the dough and that was right before he pushed me out mm. of CHD. So he didn't give a shit about my financial situation, knowing, knowing that I was living with my in-laws. And he, he knew wins that in a cage match, Charles or JC. Fuck me. Charles would go through him like <laughs> I would annihilate him. Yeah. <laughs> That's dumb. He, All right. I, I just, I want to just hear the pity party. He's going to. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Just came up Okay, but chat. that's the backdrop. That's the mm. backdrop for his pity party. Mm. And help get this truth out. One of the reasons why I got in trouble at CHD was because I covered a podcast where two members of CHD interviewed this guy and I criticized what he said in the interview. And I tried to protect the two people from CHD. <laughs> he was protecting them. Protecting them from the... Uh, I guess the... they didn't see it that way. <laughs> right. <laughs> protecting them from what? Uh, um, 
science and you know kev makes a very good point which is that kui tries to make it sound like the the sequencing that's done for genomes is um what does he call it Theranos type technology right that it there's nothing there it's all black box and you can't trust right. anything that that's put out and that's arrant nonsense because there are tens of thousands of these devices everywhere probably more and probably yeah tens of thousands of um highly qualified people cross validating the data that they get across multiple domains no it's all scooby doo (laughs) and for him him to sort of be claiming that this what was was kev saying like like next gen sequencing shows the um well, the fidelity of the swarm, right? It's able to do that. It's able to find the RNA in abundance in infected individuals versus any other um, suspected pathogens. Um, all, all these things are, as far as we can tell, reproducible and being done around the globe right now. Yet, Cooey is trying to convince people that that isn't the case. And what Kevin is saying is, well, he's tantamount saying he's just um, lying and misrepresenting the, the science, which, you know, Kev played a pretty significant role in, you know, the development of the technologies that enabled the reading of this, of, of like the human genome. Right, um, which means he is invested in maintaining the narrative. Right, uh, uh, of course. Well, here, let's listen to the last 19 seconds because mm. I got to go. Mm. From him. And I was reprimanded for it. Ah. <laughs> so somewhere in the upper echelons of this theater are people in every single spot that need to be there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yeah. all those subject matter experts that have devoted their lives to looking at this type of data that have done the hard thing of stepping out and calling out what is happening as, um, well, yeah. at, at a minimum, um, I don't know. I don't know how you take the scale of what's happened. And, uh, and not not consider it an attack, a, a, a global a global attack, right? And um, you know, if it's those damn uh, Bolsheviks trying again a century later, um, you know, we should be looking at that. Are, the, are they against using biological warfare in this instance? Um, perhaps not. <clears throat> Are they Malthusians who just literally think they've got a cull that hurt? Um, I can't remove that from the table. Um, these are all elements which should be explored right now, and you know, the, and we build off, we build off the work that comes from the, uh, well, the the leaks that you've done, right? Diffuse. Speaking of, I have to go because that's what I'm about to talk about. I, I, I'll connect up my end so if you if you you hang up this end and then you'll be coming through 
hopefully my playing of the Twitter space. And then yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll come through that. Okay. All right. Speak to you in a bit, dude. Yep. All right. So let me do this. And audio and video calls are here. Just bear with me, folks, as I find the uh, the thing. Um, it's it's two minutes away, so I'll just sort of keep that there and uh let's see uh, i'll read uh some of the chat real quick you dr kevin are a huge deep breath of fresh air um i try <laughs> um uh how should we say you know i i think i'm filling a particular role and that was deliberate on my part which was to um try to speak to the, the common man in this instance, those those who are just being um, picked apart right now, and um, you know, essentially the subject of um, carnage that's being deployed on on the front lines of this fight, and you know, again, I get it. Some people just don't like the. I have to wrap it for myself, for my sanity. I wrap it in my humor and I put my spin on stuff. And, um, you know, it's less controversial these days. The noticing is, <laughs> is happening at a greater, greater pace. But, you know, initially, and it was a, it was a very strategic decision on my behalf at the beginning of this, when I smacked into the censorship and I was like, whoa, okay, that's, um, that's not normal. And so I had to think of novel ways to um, penetrate and get round it. And the thing is, as silly as it sounds, the mimetic warfare and the taking the piss was great because the, they weren't expecting it as a, um, attack vector for them coming from scientists they thought that they had the scientific community wrapped up because scientists were trained in such a way for sort of um formal um debates and um the how do, how do i is it shouldn't not be starting yeah oh do, do i want to sound and vibration okay Deliver quietly. Yeah, I don't know. Do this. Mm, I don't know. I can't. I can't join it yet. For some reason, um, they're late. Oh, start listening. All right. So I need um sound check if uh 
you can hear it. Just a reminder, folks, um, feed, feed Charles and me, please. Times are tough. Okay, you can, you can hear the... I don't know why it sounds a bit tinny to me, but I presume that's his end. Just use this to go to the bathroom real quick. You can hear everything. Started real soon here. Now that we've got Charles in here, Jenny, um, I sent you a invite to speak. Same to you, Kevin. If you guys want to take that mic, feel free to do so. We'll get started in just a minute. So, 
I chose the song Vicarious for a reason. For those of you that haven't heard the song Vicarious by Tool, the lyrics are, I think, quite indicative of what it is that modern society has become, unfortunately. Um, the bread and circus situation that we're dealing with, along with obviously the bioweapons and the corrupt media and the pushing of propaganda and fear and death on the TV. You know, the lyrics are, I on the TV because tragedy thrills me, whatever flavor it happens to be like. So that right there for me was like, oh, you know what? This might be a good song to kind of show society their You know, take the mic and uh, give us your perspective on on everything that's transpired thus far. We said we were going to do a follow up space after the last one, and I'm glad we're doing one. Kevin, thank you for grabbing a mic. Jenny, I sent you a mic. If you want to get up here, I'd be more than happy to have you up here. Hi, Lindsay. All right, Charles. Hi, so... Jake. <clears throat> Hi, Jake. How's it going? Hey, Kevin. Hey, dude. How are you? Doing all right. I'm glad that you're here. That's Charles, nice. how you doing, sir? I'm living the dream as always. Um, I'm excited to be doing another space with you. I think every time, like a couple times now that we've done them, um, I, I enjoy because I always learn something. Um, and uh, I think that you take the conversation in directions that it really needs to go uh, to things that are being missed in the mass media. And you do it from the perspective of wanting to make a positive difference. So, uh, so I look, I'm excited about doing this again. Well, I'm excited too. Now, um, I think that it'd be good to start off by asking people, please retweet the space. Um, I'm doing so as we speak. I simply ask that you uh, retweet the space so we can get as much people in here as possible to listen to what Charles uh, has to say, listen to what Kevin has to say, what Lindsay has to say, um, and Jenny too, if she would just take the mic. Um, but anyway, Charles, uh, let's. can we dive into what this diffuse proposal is really quick? Because from what I understand, much of the things that you wrote in the diffuse proposal have now kind of been hijacked by other people and they're trying to say that this is new revelatory information just breaking breaking news but it's like no you you proposed this stuff like what two years ago uh yes so the well just kind of so yes right now there's a there's a bunch of news coming out because new FOIA documents have emerged which further confirm add evidence to um, the conclusions that myself and, and the group Drastic made um, well, almost two and a half years ago, exactly two and a half years ago, because we released those documents in September of 2021. Um, and I guess I should just kind of intro for that. You know, for those who don't know, Drastic is a group of scientists and researchers who, who gathered on Twitter from literally four different continents and starting in early 2020, I joined them at the beginning of 2021. But starting in early 2020, literally February of 2020, they were starting to gather 
and they were starting to ask questions about what had happened with, with the, uh, things about the origin of the virus didn't make sense. And so uh, Drastic, ultimately including myself, and probably about 25 others who were like official members of the, over the course of time, we, we got together, we dug up all this evidence um, in different areas, like for um, we, we discovered uh, sequences that were being hidden by the Wuhan Institute of Virology. We found ties uh, to EcoHealth Alliance and, and ties to an outbreak that occurred in southern China in 2012. Oh, really quick, really quick, Charles. EcoHealth yeah. Alliance, that is what, an NGO? It's a, it's a corporation? What is EcoHealth Alliance? E yes, e EcoHealth Alliance is just a nonprofit group, an NGO, that uh, prior to, I want to say, 2008 or 2009, they, were, they, they had a completely different name and they were mostly focused on conservation, uh, like wildlife conservation. And it was after um, a Brit named Peter Daszak took over that they really switched gears and became almost wholly focused on um, basically searching for viruses all around the world and ultimately working with um, the CIA, with and trying to work with DARPA, working with NIH and others to look for really dangerous um, pathogens all around the globe and create a massive database of them and, and then do all sorts of stupid things with them. So that's Eagle Health Alliance. And uh, basically in 2018, Eagle Health Alliance uh, submitted a proposal to DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency to, <clears throat> it, was, it was a $14 million bid. And basically it was just, it was like carbon copied from two other grants that they were already um, involved in with the NIH and with USAID, which for those who don't know, it's a quote unquote charitable organization that's really just a front group for the CIA to, to basically spy and keep track of, of things going on in other countries under the cover of, of, an, of an NGO, basically, of a federal NGO. Well, I guess they just make an NGO, but anyway. Well, so, well, at this point, the deep state is these NGOs plus the government working together in tandem. Yes, Gustavo, I see your hand there. Um, we will get to questions a little bit later. Do not rescind your request. I promise you, you will get an opportunity. Um, but right now, we're going to have some people on the panel so we can unpack this thing before uh, we take questions uh, later on. And we will get to questions. Um, right. So, yeah. So anyway, uh, th these NGOs are essentially working with the government through lobbying and stuff like that so they can get these government contracts and so that they can basically uh, prop themselves up and kind of corner the market when it comes to certain industries like environmental conservation or in this case, you know, starting environmental conservation and then moving toward uh, virus acquisition. Uh, correct. Um, Public-private partnerships is a is a good phrase for what's happening. I know I've used it, I know you've used it, and other people have used it. And that's a perfect explanation for what's happening here. And 
basically the bureaucracies, the deep state will will use front organizations um, using taxpayer funding to send to them to to be able to do things that they want to do um, by other means. And so ultimately what we're talking about is um, government sponsored activities. And in this case, that's what EcoHealth Alliance was doing. And this proposal to DARPA was, it was literally 80% of it was already being covered by two other grants. And so basically they were trying to triple dip. But the importance of this proposal is that it was denied by DARPA in, um, well, ultimately in 2018 it was denied. But what it does show is in this proposal, they list out some explicit things that don't get listed out explicitly in their normal grants. So typically when you when you're writing grants, the NIH can't sit here and and have grantees asking to do gain-of-function research when they're not supposed to be doing it. But when you submit something that isn't public, that goes to DARPA, um, and so it's not going to be released in, under normal conditions. And, and that's because it's you classified, can say whatever right? You want. Is that because it's well, classified? It, it's well, it's proprietary. It's it's not. The, the diffuse proposal itself was not classified. Um, there is proprietary, um, like sensitive sensitivity classifications for legal reasons, but the diffuse proposal itself was not, it was not classified by the government, like using the traditional confidential secret, top secret levels of classification. In fact, the, the biggest reason why um, it was ultimately given to me to leak and I brought it to drastic and we, we did an analysis of it that we published with the documents. So that way there'd be context for what the documents were saying written by unbiased apolitical observers from all across the world. Um, that, uh, the reason why we could do that is because the documents themselves were not marked, which means well, that's a big no-no because where they were found was on the highest classification top secret server called JWIX, that's run by the Defense Intelligence Agency and accessed by CIA and FBI in particular. And so when, when these documents were found on that server, they were completely unmarked. And anybody who's ever worked with government classifications of any kind, that's supposed to be impossible because the just the act of placing um, files onto a classified server or into a safe, a classified safe, no that, digital that, signature? that has to be logged in. There has, there, you have to be, you have to, because you have to go through the process of adjudicating it as being necessary to classify. So, and, and as the, as the outcome of that, it'll become classified, and then it'll go on the appropriate server and the appropriate classification level safe. So the fact that these documents were completely unmarked was a sign that whoever put them there, um, put them there bypassing the normal rules and regulations. Uh, these are federal felony laws 
So the same thing that they would charge Edward Snowden of violating, um, this is in the same uh, schema of, of violations. You do not, you cannot, the entire purpose of the classified server is to protect classified information. And, and thus, if the documents are unmarked, they are unclassified. Have you ever and been so, able to come up with who did that? And isn't the, the diffuse really gave us step-by-step -step instructions on how to produce what we see now. So it was literally like the menu for SARS-CoV-2, correct? That's correct. In fact, it was me that wrote those words that are now being used by everyone else in the introduction to our analysis between me and about 10, overall as a group of about 10 specifically scientists. Charles, that, that's why this is so important. Okay, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say this right now. And Jake, I apologize, Lindsay, I apologize. But um, you've been doing this for a couple of years now, and you have compiled the largest database for all the information that we need. So when it talk about like moving the ball forward, you need to be a part of the ball. If we all run scattered in a million different places and relearn <laughs> what you already know, it's a waste of time. And I agree. I agree. Yes. So that's what I, that's the problem is that I want to make sure that people. Our deep dives are really fun and, and it's interesting, but Charles has already dug up everything he needs. And right now he just needs force and power behind, you know, what he's doing to help him get where he needs to be. He is the expert. He had the, the diffuse documents and leaked them with he's his the hammer. Yeah, yeah it took, and it took a lot. And it's also taken a lot of what, what he has going on. It, I mean, he's he's in a different living situation. Like he's literally, you know, I just, I think <clears> it's important. And Charles, you're so humble. And you're not like super loud. So like Andrew, you know, he'll be hollering all over the place, but you're not necessarily like that. So it's it's important that you get showcased. And Jake, thank you so much for that. And again, Charles, I, I let, I let, I'm just so happy that you're here. And I'll put all of those um, proposals, your paperwork and things like that. I'm just going to be quiet and let you speak, but they'll either be in the nest or the bubble. Can you do both, Jenny? Put them both in the nest and the bubble because I've heard that when people listen to the space, um, they don't always have access to the nest, but they do have access yeah. to the bubble. Um, so really quick, Charles, because there's a... I, I want to make sure that we create some clarity here when we talk about the diffuse proposal and what exactly it's proposing. And I, I in our last space, we kind of delineated what it is that I think... Uh, was really imperative for people to know, and that was that there are certain genetic sequences within the COVID-1984 virus that are indicative of genetic engineering and human tampering and indicate gain of function research and the splicing of multiple different <clears throat> viral genetic sequences into a single uh, bioweapon. And is that what the diffuse proposal is suggesting? <clears throat> Uh, yes. So, what I, what I, and then well, as drastic, what we highlighted on were four key, like, el elements of the proposal that we felt showed the. We called them, or I called them the, the literally it was a recipe to make, to make the SARS-CoV-2 virus the virus that causes COVID-19. And it was, and if you listen to the news coverage of this now, people are saying the exact same thing. We talked about um, uh, typically four or three elements of this proposal that show up in the virus. 
And it was me that basically coined all the variations of that phrase. And so basically what's happened is we had this recipe to create the virus. And what these latest, just in the last um, couple of weeks, um, Drastic and some other people had access to these files, to the 1,500 uh, pages of FOIA documents of this latest um, release by U.S. Right to Know. And we went through it, and literally what it was showing is um, different early drafts of the proposal and basically conversations between all the scientists who were, who were part of it, talking about um, what should be in there, how to word it, etc. And what we, what we now have is that for, for most of those four, for at least three out of the four main um, suspicious parts of the virus, viral genome that we now see, we found very detailed, specific evidence and descriptions of, of what they wanted to do. And so one of those big three that just came out is is so that they proposed to use chimeric construction to make a virus. Um, another one was to insert furin cleavage sites. Another was to was basically to um, optimize ACE2 receptors, so a different set of receptors. And then a fourth one was was to look for and to fiddle with viruses that can use what's called a DC sign pathway, which, which is an immune pathway. So one of the ways that HIV can infect cells. And so there was those four major pieces. And all but the last one, we find specific evidence and like descriptions of how they wanted to do it. So in the case of the chimeric construction of viruses, they explicitly state that they want to cut uh, uh, vir viral pieces, viruses into six pieces and stitch different pieces together um, using specific what's called restriction sites. So basically in specific points with specific scissors and, and then gluing them back together. And that is exactly, exactly what we see now. And the same is true on another another part of this 1500 pages. They talk about how they want to insert a furin cleavage sites into this exact spot where you would where it would appear inside of SARS-CoV-2. Okay, and so, so really quick, because uh, I want to make this like digestible for the people that are not privy to the technicalities of what you're saying. In a way, what you're saying is that basically the government and these NGOs that are contracted by the government. So the, all this stuff that's being done by these NGOs is known by the government because it's going to require um, the paperwork to be put through. It's going to require you know permission to be given, etc. And the government and these NGOs have all of the ingredients necessary to, shall we say, make a cake. 
right? And it's technically against the law, according to the Department of Homeland Security. That's why they moved it over to Wuhan. It's against the law to make a cake that is like COVID-1984 or the COVID-2, a SARS-2 virus. So they move it over to Wuhan, where this isn't illegal to make this quote-unquote cake or make this virus. They get all these ingredients together. They have the recipe to do so. They have the, the uh, not just the ingredients, but also the uh, way that they are to be mixed together to make this quote-unquote cake, make this virus, and then they do it, and then it gets out, and then there's also stuff in this, are you saying there's stuff in this document that is basically saying how it is that they will mitigate the PR regarding this release of this thing, and how it is they can use certain verbiage and stuff like that so that they can move their agenda in country to country? Is, is, is that what I'm getting here? Uh, well, That's how to make they... It. They changed the definition they, of vaccine too. Well, they 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 had the descriptions of how to make it, and then what's important is that though later on they deleted all of the specifics for these different suspicious areas, they deleted that from the final proposal. In part, and and they explicitly state that one of the reasons for doing that was because they were afraid that DARPA would not approve it if they kept these elements in there. And they also talked about how they, they wanted to basically lie to DARPA and say that the work was going to be, the, the gain-of-function work was going to be done in North Carolina instead of China, specifically because, once again, they were afraid that DARPA would not approve of it otherwise. It's literally... Oh in the margins of, of the drafts that they have these discussions. Okay, so in order for them to push this through, they had to edit the paperwork in a way that allowed them to kind of obfuscate the legalities or the illegalities of this research. And you know, deception, deception isn't just not telling, isn't just lying, it's also hiding the truth. So in this way, the is it the NGOs that were responsible for this deception, or what is it? Who's the one that edited this stuff out? That was a collaboration between um, Ralph Barrick at North Carolina um, and Peter Daszak in particular. But really, it could have. There were five different teams that were part of this proposal, and an input from all of them is inside these drafts and it's damning for all of them because at different points along the way, they're all saying things that once again have never come out in public. They've never admitted to any of this and they've continued to hide and obfuscate on every single detail related to this. Um, this, I, this I, sorry, Charles. This I just, stuff lays I, out the evidence. I just want to interrupt. I don't know if you can hear me right now, but I just want to, in terms of grant writing, um, there are there are essentially legal contracts, if you like, where these uh, groups have signed off. There's usually a declaration that everything that they're saying is uh, all above board, etc. And these become legally binding contracts with um, the institutes or the organisations that are writing the grants and the uh, the grant um, uh, giver in this instance. And that, as you were saying, when they've gone through and everyone on that list who has essentially shaped and nudged that 
Grant into a particular direction while knowing that they were trying to um, obfuscate a little bit of what they were doing, trying to uh, bend the, the rules, as it were. They, they should all be legally culpable now because of that, because they signed these documents saying that it, it's, um, it's all above board. That, and the institutes, this is the other thing, the institute has a, a grant office usually, and that grant will get sent there and it'll get reviewed by the bureaucracy of the institutes as well and they sign off on it too so to say that we we agree with the researchers we'll allow them to do this so there's a whole legal culpable chain that's there that's potentially on the hook right now and this is why i think you're seeing such um i hate to use the word, <laughs> but drastic effort to um you know hide disinformation from the public and it's taken because the, is that because the moment that it comes out, these people can be prosecuted and thrown into prison for a very long time because they literally lied to get billions of dollars to do this research they knew was illegal. Yes. Yeah, that's that's the that's supposed to be uh, the penalties when you're um, lying in this way and basically engaging in in fraud. Right. So Charles mentioned so at the beginning, you think that, that's the worst part, though. I mean, it. it it's no, not it's not, but it's just what it's, it's, it's not even close. Like right. they literally, we have that it's been an argument on whether or not this was made. A lot of Americans believe, and a lot of people in the world believe that this is a virus that came from somewhere like the dirt. Okay. Mm. They don't even realize that this was constructed. Not only that, they don't realize that it was funded by our own government and covered up by Fauci on purpose. Now you had a guy in Wuhan that was creating a vaccine who ended up dead by the CCP because, you know, who knows? But that was right before the, around the same time. So I'm thinking potentially that virus already had existed in a way in that area and they were just farming out like they were for more money. Oh yeah, that, don't, don't underestimate. Is, don't they funded the whole thing. It's the government, like look at how much money Fauci makes. And I apologize, but this is just, it's a very serious thing to tell people, look, your own government just made what killed all these people, locked you down, stole your businesses, and destroyed your life. Mm. And, then, and then followed it up with a secondary component of gene transfecting that toxic peptide into essentially billions of people. And yeah, you're going to be getting sick and making big pharma a ton of money with cancers and a whole bunch of other stuff, just like we've done for the last 50 years. I mean, this is obscene. Yep, yep. Um, and it's all being done for profit because based on what Charles said earlier, they're like 80% of the research that was already being done from what I understand, from what I remember you saying, was already kind of contracted out and, and being divvied up and taken care of by other agencies. But they wanted – these other people wanted to get a slice of this really big pie, and that's why oh, they – yeah, that's why they changed the lingo and the language so they could get around this and get a chunk of those billions of dollars that were taxpayer money. So in this sense, we literally funded our own lockdowns. We funded our own bioweapon that was released. We funded our own um, uh, mRNA because like you were saying in the previous space uh, – 
these vaccines are developed alongside these bioweapons because there's a tremendous chance for blowback if and when these bioweapons are released. So you want to inoculate your troops or your people so they don't have the uh, vaccine, so they don't have the virus affecting them. But in this case, like what Kevin was saying, there are certain genomic sequences in these mRNA injections that are actually working together in tandem with the virus to make the body more susceptible to illness. Well, well if they well, had said well, it right away, if they had said that they had created this right away and hadn't waited for so long, we could have been on top of it. We could have had labs on it and we could have done things faster to deal with what we were. They put it in a big mystery box so they could roll out their vaccine, push back ivermectin. And again, just like Fauci did with the HIV medications, he could do what he did with the COVID vaccines if they had released it right away. I mean, Charles, don't you think we could have been so much farther ahead in labs? Yeah, well, they wanted is... to bury the data for 75 years, y'all. I mean, we would yeah. all be dead by then. This is why. We were the trials. Well, this is this is why I I've focused so much on um on the early decisions that were made um in January and early February of 2020 because because so what everybody just said is correct that on every end of this, they stood to make a profit. So on one hand, you know, to triple dip and try to get more grant funding for stuff they were already doing, that's just like small potatoes. For that's just um, EcoHealth Alliance and Peter Daszak trying to, you know, just get more on his end. But you have to understand that once there was a potential pandemic, then the NIH um, shares the patent for a bunch of or several different aspects of specifically Moderna's, but Pfizer also um, used some of the same stuff. And so the NIH has gotten hundreds of millions of dollars just from their shared patent royalties. And so, so at every level of this, everybody, whether it was at the NIH and research level, to the to the corporations that funded these things like well, Pfizer and Moderna, of course, but also Bill and Gates, Melinda, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, uh, the Wellcome Trust, all these these billions of dollars um, financial interests that run that that do the, all the ads that uh, run all the NGOs because they fund most of their of the NGOs monies so i mean at every level of this there was a, a financial interest but in this is why it's so important for people to understand that fauci knew about in particular the fear and cleavage site and and other aspects of the genome because by january 13th his chief lieutenant barney graham at the NIH's Vaccine Research Center was the one who signed off on the prototype um, genome to be sent off to Moderna to be copied and, and mass produced. And one of the major decisions that had to be made was whether to retain the furin included site. And of course, if you make the decision to retain it by January 13th, you already know by then that it exists. But they still hid that. They hid the fact of how transmissible the virus was. 
even though they were already working on a vaccine and knew how transmissible it was. Because it would be inconvenient for the people to understand how much they knew and when. And then, of course, the fact that they, unlike all other vaccines that they'd done previously, the fact that they kept basically the spike protein unchanged except for um, changing some changing some bits of it into pseudouridines to make it more stable. Um, they, all they basically did was make it so that the natural, or that the spike protein that existed in the virus was even more efficacious once it got inside the body and more dangerous. And to make it worse, when they made the bivalent vaccines, two years later, they still kept the same original spike. And why? Part of it was because the, all the bad epitopes were on there. But the other part of it was, is that that's what they had full patent rights on. So at so every level money. of this, it's it, sick. Right. So, so it's yeah. about money. And, and they really, like Jenny was saying earlier, they don't care about health. It's about profiting from disease so if there's all of these like rapid cancers developing in the body or there's these symptoms in individuals that have taken the mrna uh shot and stuff like that then those symptoms end up getting treated like they're standalone symptoms not a result of the vaccine or the 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 mrna and also the and this comes into lawfare a little bit here as well in the way that the legislatures in the congress actually created liability shields for for Pfizer and these corporations so they couldn't be sued due to the negative effects of these uh, products that they're pushing on the public. And then they use the government's monopoly on the initiation of force to mandate that people get this this gene therapy that was largely experimental and actually detrimental to human health. And if this information isn't getting out to the public, as far as like the side effects of the MRNA, the side effects of the virus and all how <clears throat> these things work together, then like I said, they're, they're, the pharmaceutical companies or the doctors are going to treat, treat the symptoms of both of these things and the way that they are synergistically working together as standalone illnesses <laughs> so they can make money. Is that right? Correct. And, and so once again, I'll say something that is basically unknown. But to top all that that was just set off, one of the main reasons that, that Major Murphy and I ultimately ch chose to leak the documents was because, A, we knew they would never get into the public otherwise. And, and B, in addition... There were two reasons why the diffuse proposal was rejected. The first one was because it contained um, clear gain of function work, but no, but it was it didn't address that. It pretended that it didn't exist. And then the second one, which is always missed by everybody in the media, the second one was due to something called partial epitope coverage. DARPA scientists knew because they're really really smart. They knew that if you, if you design a vaccine that only uses part of the virus instead of the whole virus, and especially if you only use the part that's most likely to mutate, it, that all it's going to do is drive evolution. And, and once you do drive evolution, you have no control over the direction that that evolution is going to take. So in this case, they were trying to vaccinate bats, and 
they, they the claim was that oh well we'll, we'll use these human-like epitopes in this bat vaccine so that will we push we push the evolution away from these human-like epitopes. But the truth is, they had no even if that was their goal and it was completely um, like non-harmful, like like they were actually trying to do something good. The idea couldn't work, and they knew that. And so the the other reason that, that we wanted to get it out there was because in the same month, September of 2021, that we leaked those documents, the military mandate on vaccines was going into effect. And Major Murphy was working at in the Biological Technologies Office at DARPA, and that office had been tasked with tracking all the adverse events for these for these mRNA jabs. Why? Or for, for when they were given to the military. Why? Because DARPA was the absolute expert that had been since the beginning doing the seed funding for Moderna from a decade earlier. They knew as much as anyone did about this technology. And so that office was assigned to keep track of all the adverse events that took place in the military. And so starting in January, the military started getting the shots, but it was voluntary. But in September, that was going to change, and it did ultimately change. Uh, the president ordered 100% of the force to get it. And he was horrified because he being Major Murphy, now Lieutenant Colonel Murphy, um, Major Murphy was horrified because he, as a presidential fellow, was sitting in that office and seeing the adverse events as they were, as the shots were being rolled out in the military. And he was absolutely horrified at the prospect that, that they could be mandated. I have a and, question about that, Charles. So yes. um, if it is proven that the and it obviously at this point it has been but it because it's proven that these people lied about the on the documentation so they could get funding so that they could make money if they lied and suppressed the information about the adverse effects of these things uh, and then it was deployed 100% on the military and then there's all these adverse effects that could be considered like a biological attack on the military and I mean, it, it, it might be legalese, but could that be considered or construed as a form of treason because they knew what was going to happen and they forced people in the military to, to be uh, susceptible to the adverse effects of this bioweapon? Yes, this is, this is one of the arguments, one of the main arguments that, that myself and, and Kevin and, and Dr. Fleming and so the rest of our, our group of five this is one of the arguments that we're making, that even if you didn't consider that, what you just said, what they've, by, by the actions that they took with this research and the creation of these things, alone, before you get to the jabs, that was a violation of the Biological Weapons Convention, which because it's been ratified by the Senate, um, counts as constitutional law. And so... Dr. Fauci and all these other people that pushed all this stuff and made all these decisions knowingly, violations of your oath of office are considered treason under the, under the legal definitions of the U.S. Code. So then you add in everything that, 
that we've just been talking about, which is that they knew about this. They pushed it anyway. Now we can, I don't think, I don't think Biden can do anything except eat ice cream and he doesn't even do a good job of that. He can't control his own bowels at this point. So it's not, I don't know that he really, he made, he signed off on the decision. But whoever behind him who was pushing this and who they knew about the adverse events, they, they knew about all of this stuff and they suppressed it. And the fact that their suppression also happened to coincide with them making an ass ton of money hand over fist is probably not a coincidence. But at the okay. very least, this is treason. Okay. So in that regard, then, because it, they violated their oath of office and because they knew about this and whoever it is that put this on Biden's desk and all that stuff, what we're talking about here is some serious implications for literally dozens, if not hundreds, of people in D.C. and bureaucrats and corporate CEOs, people in the military and generals and stuff like that. The implications to this are absolutely monumental. And is that, do you think, part of the reason why it is that people like yourself and this diffuse document have not gotten more traction? Because they know that once this, once the public knows what they did, then there will be massive amounts of calls for, uh, you know, trials or even in this case, probably considering many of these people are military, military tribunals and stuff like that. You're going to catch Hunter Biden in there too. Tribunals for sure, Metabiota. Well, of course, of course, they worked with the EPA. They knew all about it. This this spanned from all the way to the United States, from DARPA, all the way to Wuhan, into North Carolina, down to all the other labs, over to Ukraine. I mean, we're talking like a ginormous web of bio, like bioweapon procurement, study, use, labs, and ridiculous behavior. To well, and, and that, so that means scientists and doctors, too. Yes. Right? Yes. Very right. much so. Yes. So, yes. so the institutions, yes. So, so this is kind of what it is that I'm getting here. The implications are not just local to the United States. They are, in fact, international. And when we talk about institutions like the United Nations, the Center for Disease Control, the World Health Organization, and their role in all of this, then all of these entities, these global entities, including <clears throat> the Chinese Communist Party, DARPA, CIA, DIA, NIA, NIH, yeah, all of these all of these institutions would then be subject to extreme amounts of scrutiny and um, legal consequences, and that would actually, in one way or another, kind of unravel the global nature, the global network, how it involves Ukraine, how it involves Israel, how it involves China, how it involves the United States, <laughs> and things like what happened in Canada as well, like where Trudeau was demanding and mandating that everybody get vaccinated. All of these people, they have people behind them that are pushing this on these people as well. And Epstein, he's done oh, yeah. a lot of that, because the NIH, well, the NIH only gives off a certain number of, of grants per year and it's in the money's hard to come by and labs are expensive and epstein was willing to fund a lot of these labs with re less regulations so but you're talking my, but black my, budget like right. you talk about yeah plus right yep. so so th this is essentially their achilles heel because this unravels the whole global network and would actually 
uh, it would constitute the need for things like Nuremberg 2.0, basically, because all of this stuff is against, like you were saying, like bioweapons ethics and, and legal, uh, um, uh, legal <laughs> precedent and stuff like that. So I'm just curious then if that is what we're talking about, and that sounds like what it is that we're talking about. As a military man yourself, Charles, as a Marine, as somebody that knows about WMDs and bioweapons and psychological warfare, what would be the best course of action to ensure that this information gets to the public in a way that is digestible and will have real-world consequences for the people responsible? Well, the, I would say that just based off of observing the so-called resistance over the last few years, um, the, there's there's so much noise that's that's going around. I mean, and I don't want it to sound self-serving, but the truth is, they need me. They need people that are working with me to testify. They need they need us to to become more known to the public, so that way we can speak with without being filtered through other forms of media and other people with their agendas. Because I can assure you that myself, Kevin, um, the Joanna, Richard, you know, we're not uh, even Andrew Huff. I mean, we all have differing perspectives and things, but all of us are saying things that need to be said that are getting obscured by other people with agendas. And okay, so, so, so is, getting to the media, basically, getting a bigger platform, and so this information can be disseminated properly? I mean, that and having, you know, they do not, they're, they're never going to call me of their own accord to testify before Congress because they don't want to hear, they don't want what I'm saying to reach a broader audience. They don't even want other Congress people to hear it. They haven't acknowledged we exist, Jake. No well, yeah, so but it's, so it's it's suppression of intelligence, which you know, in warfare, the use of or non-use of intelligence is paramount when it comes to winning wars. So the suppression of this intelligence is a strategy to ensure that the dynamics and the uh, the the. Um, landscape of the battlefield does not change because the battlefield is the minds of the American people and the people of the world. So the moment that your information and your testimony and all that stuff gets before the right media or before the right Congress members, etc., then the landscape changes. The chessboard changes. And that's why they're trying to keep you guys invisible. Is that correct, Charles? Well, of course, because it's, it's easy to divide and conquer the resistance when well uh, i'll use this as an example when in so before we released the diffuse proposal before um drastic had even started working on our analysis of it um but after i had, i knew of it and i had it um i was sitting there watching on august 24 25th or 27th of 2021. And I already knew about Diffuse. 
and I was watching to see what would happen when Biden, when the so-called Biden report came out after 90 days, the the ODNI opposite the opposite of the director of national intelligence was tasked by Biden in May of 2021 to to put out a report on on the on a summation of the current evidence regarding the origin of the virus. Well, I I knew in the days leading up to when that release was coming, I knew about the diffuse proposal. And so uh, myself, Major Murphy, we were waiting to see what, if anything, that report would say about anything related to this. Because we already knew that this document had come from the intelligence community servers, and we also knew, as um, as came out in the when Project Veritas leaked Major Murphy's IG whistleblower complaint in January of 2022, um, he had. Um, but basically, we had been watching, and we knew that the documents had been placed inside that folder on that on that top secret network during the 90 day window and found by him a little bit later. And so whoever put it there, put it there during that 90 day window in a place that very few people could reach. So only you know people with top secret clearances could reach. And yet when the, the Biden report came out, basically what I can do what we can do is we can testify that the intelligence community, that, that the director of national intelligence, Avril Haines, lied to the American people because in neither the classified nor the unclassified versions of, the, of their summary, did they admit to or know anything about the, the stuff that was explicitly discussed in that, inside that proposal. And they did it again two years later, in the, this last August, when they did their updated report. They actually rolled back on the few things that they conceded from the first time. So we, we can testify that the intelligence community lied to the president, to the American people, multiple times about the evidence that they knew that they had. And they did nothing to act on that evidence. Instead, they worked actively to censor and suppress any information that they could deal with it. So yes, that is just one of the many little nuggets to this. I mean, I think it's a big nugget. But the point is, is that they knew and they actively worked to suppress it and they know how damaging this proposal is and they know how damaging our testimony is. But Charles, so they don't I, want anything I, I, to do with it. I have a follow-up question, and then I'll go to Destiny. I see her hand there. Um, and to anybody that's requesting a mic, I will give out mics shortly, but we're going to kind of let Charles and Kevin and Jenny and the panel kind of get a, get their points in first. But this is my question for you then. Since the Biden administration and the deep state at this point that are all involved in this cover-up largely at this point control the levers of executive power and the ability to what – they have what's called prosecutorial discretion, which means that the prosecutors can either choose to press charges or not or choose to press what charges and not these others, et cetera, like we're seeing with the Hunter Biden laptop um, – 
even if you get before Congress, that that doesn't guarantee that the deep state is going to suddenly investigate itself and then roll out the consequences for all of these people that are involved, does it? Um, that, that we we already have an example of this, which Charles has relayed many times, which is his interaction with um, Senator Johnson, and Senator Johnson literally said to Charles and went on TV and said, we can't take it any further. We're running up against well, essentially powers that they they can't deal with. And so I don't, um, sitting here thinking that Congress is going to do something, we've already tried that. And to expect them to do something at this stage um, might be a bit of a fool's errand, in my opinion. I think what's better is to actually try and um, inform the people about what's actually happened, potentially happened to them. And you made a point earlier about um, how uh, what, what would seem to be unrelated chronic diseases emerging and then these people being essentially sucked into the medical system. It's important for people to understand the makeup of what, what, what they were exposed to and particularly uh, well, in, in my opinion, both both vectors of attack are dangerous. But w with specifically with the vaccines, where there was very deliberate intent and a lot of um, resources put into that particular approach, we can look at the molecular biology right now, and we know the data is out there. We know that there are prion scrapey catalyzing epitopes in the expression products of those vaccines. And disturbingly, these now have been delivered past immune barriers, and we know that they distribute through the organs, they go to the brain, heart, liver, ovaries. Um, this, is, this is where the, the discussion really needs to be going about what, what have they really done? Because we can see the increase in all-cause mortality we can see the increase in chronic diseases and it may be that they've like i say i don't i tread into this space very very lightly but because of the identification of that particular epitope i think it's time to start having a serious discussion about what was their real intent here because they produced over 13 billion vials and rough estimates 4 to 5 billion people were exposed to this scrapey catalyzing epitope and just for um to try to sort of build that out what does that mean there's a principle in my domain in neurosciences about prion disorders where they it's called the super prion hypothesis and there's an there's an indication that in the past paleolithic times that there was a uh, an evolutionary bottleneck caused by what appears that was potentially a mass spreading, and you could basically call it an extinction level event, prion spread. And the best example I could give right now for people to try to understand what's happening, look what's happening at the deer in the United States. You've got chronic wasting disease building up and spreading in the environment. And those are animals that don't have much... Um, social contact and they aren't getting these um, synthetic and potentially uh, biowarfare agents and it's 
I don't think the politicians are coming to save us at this point. I think they're just trying to go into cover cover their arse mode. And in, in this instance, all they're doing is trying to wait out the clock if these disease mechanisms have been kicked into place. That made sense. Right. No, I understand what you're saying. They're basically, they know what's going on. And if they don't, I mean, then they're compartmentalized. But the people that would really and could really do something about it, they know what's going on. And they're just kind of watching the clock and waiting for the full effects of these things to take place so that the unraveling of the the gene pool of the planet can begin to take place and there will be no real consequences because everybody that's affected will be deceased. Um, I want to get to Or they will have infected those that were not. And then the children of those that will have it too. I mean, we're talking, I mean, there's people, I mean, I'm very upset to be honest with you. I mean, I protected myself on all measures. I lost my whole life because of it and my children to protect myself. And then now it's pretty much been spread all over all of humanity. Yeah. This is, this is the important thing to learn about prions is very important is that they are bioaccumulative in the environment. They hang around on common materials and it requires femtograms in terms of delivering an infective dose. And when people talk about shedding and we, we can see the uh, physiological fingerprint of that. We've already, we've already found it. Um, what about you... reinfection? I mean, could you almost be like well. trying to help yourself and then be giving yourself your own, you know, biomaterial back? Yes, um, all, all, all of the above. And this is this is the issue around these um, amyloid prion peptides. Is um, they're very very difficult to um, control against, and you know, to get an idea of how effective they are. Think, think about how sparse. The population, not sparse, but deer don't hang around in shopping malls and cinemas and stadiums, right? They're generally diffuse across the countryside. In 20 years, and it's probably the consequence of this type of research that deer uh, have been inflicted with this. um, The farmers call them the retarded deer because they don't act right. And you can tell there's something not right about them. And they're like, they're not right so yeah and you want you want to take over a population you dumb it down you 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 put in an agent that's very difficult to track and the the issue is prion ticks all of these boxes and you know the amyloid issue i've been trying to raise for four years it's only since september that we've had confirmation that it's it's catalyzing the human prion protein into this scrapey form and this this should be the every resource that we have should be being put into trying to determine what the conversion rate is is it actually happening and you know they might do it in the context of the viral infection but i don't think they'd go anywhere near exploring the the consequences of um gene transfecting that that molecular signal really, kevin really quick i charles did we lose you can you talk i see there's like a little blue dot next to your name there and i'm getting six requests to speak but i'm only seeing five people on the panel here so can you like drop him and bring him yeah right I'm, gonna, I'm gonna drop you and bring you right back up charles one second and in meantime let's go to destiny real quick i know she's had her hand up for a while hey jake hey jenny hey charles hey everybody Lindsay. Yeah. 
this is my group. <laughs> I love you guys. Um, I just wanted to chime in when I heard um, Rixley talking about the um, the fact that the ODNI has been lying in these reports that are supposed to be going to the president and to other heads of state to alert them of the status of the investigations of COVID. And there's a reason for why that is, because the head of the ODNI is Avril Haines, and Avril Haines was the one representative from the United States government that participated in Event 201. And she's also a Johns Hopkins dropout. And um, I'm assuming that's why she was invited to that event, because it was hosted by, of course, Johns Hopkins and Bill Melinda Gates and WEF. And um, I recently just, I, I mean, when I say recently, I mean maybe 15 seconds ago, okay? really recently. I just posted a new uh, thread out. I found this publication because I was working on what, what Rixley had posted with uh, the Diffuse and the new Diffuse information that Emily Kopp had got with the U.S. Right to Know. And because um, I, I was in a space with Alina Chan, we were discussing what the new information means. And uh, in that endeavor of looking further into that, I stumbled upon a new publication that I, I hadn't I hadn't seen before, which is annoying to me because as a researcher, <laughs> when you find something that's years old and you're like, I, you've been looking in that direction for so long, Dude, it's annoying when you so miss it. Stuff. I've been finding all kinds of research articles. Oh, you're going to love this one. This is a publication that was submitted for publication to Frontiers Microbiology, major publication. Uh, it's written by Ralph Barrick. The title is the current, of futures, uh, the current and Future State of Vaccines, Antivirals, and Gene Therapies for Emerging Coronaviruses, dated November 11th, uh, November 11th, 2019. Wow. In it, he shills remdesivir, but what's even funnier is that in it, it's also edited by somebody from Fudan University, which is the university that's essentially responsible for the sequencing of SARS-CoV-2 first. Um, because it was done by two of their professors. And Just as an aside, Hotez is, professor a, there. Hotez is involved with Fudan University. People should never forget that. Oh, yes, that. he is. Yeah, yeah he mm -hmm. is. Yes, he is. Mm. And that's probably one of the reasons he has me blocked on here. Mm. <laughs> me too. He hates us. He's scared of us. He really hates every single one of us. That's great. Like, I, th I find it a source of pride, honestly. But um, this paper, to me, it's funny because in it, Ralph Barrick, after shilling for nearly four paragraphs, remdesivir for emerging coronaviruses and just funny enough two months after this publication was submitted there would be said pandemic um but in it he admits that remdesivir is ineffective after the first couple days and in fact harmful and not only that but that chloroquine and its substrates were effective longer term and that's admitted me. i i promise read page 14 and 15 of that document i just posted if you want i'll put it in the little bubble I, I um, did. it's in the nest oh it's in the nest yep oil. this is my find for today <laughs> uh and it well, makes my blood you, oil you know too. he's on record in um charles will know the date but he's literally I, at a conference they hauled him in for trial can i question him and barrack and hotels and all of them like seriously why haven't they been called in because they're well, protected <clears throat> um well i, I just want to add to that so Yes, in many papers over the, the four, five or six years preceding the preceding 2020, uh, Barrick and others had been talking about um, what works and what doesn't work against coronaviruses. And they already knew from extensive research um, the risk profile of remdesivir that it would, uh, that it would only work very early on in infection. Um, and so an intravenous one, of course, was basically useless because you can't give that out to a population as, as, as early treatment. Um, and 
I will point out that they did have some research showing that it would be effective if given early in treatment. Um, but in addition to the, those papers that you're talking about, specifically the one in November, in, on February 13th of 2020, at an NVAC meeting, um, National Vaccine Advisory Council, I believe. I know which one um, you're talking about, yeah. Right. So on camera, Martin Dennison and um, Ralph Barrick, who were instrumental in the creation of the science behind and also the molecule itself for Invesivir and other molecules, they explicitly state on camera, February 13th of 2020, that Remdesivir would not work um, in the in the way that they they were suggesting to use it uh, be, because of what I just said, and they also in the same um, thing they talk about the issues that would most likely come from vaccines that they had seen with SARS and MERS vaccines, issues that have since come to the fore, namely that it's incredibly dangerous um, for older people, and we're not even talking about mRNA; we're just talking about um, spike-based vaccines that they'd tried in the past. They knew that it would be very dangerous for old people because of the differing and weaker immune response that they had. And they saw this, they talk about it, and they also talk about how um, um, hydroxychloroquine and the chloroquines in general were, were considered superb and the best possible things you could do for early treatment, given what was known at the time. And yet we, we know that once again, just like with all this other stuff, all that information was suppressed. So even though the inventors of remdesivir uh, talked about how it wouldn't work in the way that they were proposing and that um, chloroquine medications would work very well, um, Pfizer nonetheless went away from it. So. so Pfizer manufactured it. They shipped it unlabeled to Gilead. And then when Gilead got it, they put their label on it so it looked like they manufactured it. That's another thing. Well, and this comes back to what we were talking about earlier about intelligence suppression. Because from what I understand, the only – and Charles, you know, Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong here. But the only way that they could get Operation Warp Speed to go through, the only way that they could get these uh, mRNA jabs out to everybody is if they had in the paperwork that there was no effective – uh, medication or anything that was already on the market to combat this virus and its symptoms. Correct. So That's correct. if so, if if hydrochloroquine or hydroxychloroquine or if something like ivermectin or something was effective, then that means that they couldn't push this through and get their do this money grab. So they had to actively suppress the true fact that these things were effective and they did so by going after people's medical licenses if they chose to prescribe hydroxychloroquine if they chose to prescribe ivermectin and stuff like that because then it actually created an environment within the medical community that is obviously controlled by big pharma and the rockefellers they created an environment of fear where all of this work that these doctors had done their whole lives to become doctors would be stripped from them based on them actually trying to uphold their oath of do no harm and to ensure that people were getting the proper medication. So this is another level to this suppression of information that is taking place where it is strategic. There are certain things that are strategically being kept from the public so that the most amount of 
money can be made and the least amount of blowback for the people involved in this corruption can take place. And, and this is really important too, and so that when the, the, when the day comes that all of these conglomerative effects take place, I, and this is just my opinion, the population will be dramatically reduced both because of the virus and the, the mRNA jabs, but also because of the ability that these things both have to affect fertility rates into the future. Yeah, I'll just yeah. Th there's a very important data point that's just come out. It may be tentative at the moment, but in Sweden, for the year of 2023, they have had a 50% drop in births from 65,000 down to 33. Um, yeah, and there's sperm counts dropping in the vax injured community too. Um, we've been having some of our men start to uh, get their sperm counts tested. And I suggest that for unvaxxed people too, to keep a count on it. It's something that's serious and also brain shrinkage is the two main things we're seeing. Mm. Yep. And the, a 50% drop in births in, in biology, that's considered population collapse. That was fish. Well, you mean, you mean Georgia Guidestones collapse? I mean, just like they said a minute ago, if you got to look at how how much it has spread all over the place. The way that they've left the fragments, they usually take the fragments of the DNA out. It, they, you know, they'll, they'll trash the vaccine if there's something wrong with it. They didn't. They let it go ahead and go through. It's like they put a scrap on us because they didn't really care. I, I, I'm at the point where I'm almost going to say that it was on purpose and death is expected, and I want to move to an island because, to be honest with you, I'm a survivor, and I don't know any other American out there. But my genes are extremely important to me, and so is the lineage of my family and my survival. And what they've just done is they've hit at the heart of every single Viking, every single warrior. I mean, you're going to have to hold me back, and I'm, this is going to be my first prescription to Xanax because well, now I've had I enough. got you, girl. I got bail money, and I got the Xanax, and then when Let's I get the test go, results, baby. we'll nail them to the cross. Now, really quick, I, I want to throw something out there because I think it is important. Um, I think that delineating the problem and the people responsible is essential. But when you deliver this, something of this magnitude to an average person that still believes that, you know, the government is uh, trying to protect the people or that corruption is sparse in the government or in, you know, corporate institutions or what have you, then you deliver this kind of a payload of information, they're going to freak out and they're not going to want to hear it just because of how paradigm shattering and scary it actually is. Okay. So what I'm suggesting to both Charles and Kevin, to Jenny and Lindsay, to Destiny and everybody that is in this audience is that if we're going to deliver this kind of a payload of information to people, I think what we also need to do is deliver a payload of, of solutions and things that can be done to either reverse the damage done or in some cases entirely heal the body of any and all traces of these uh, effects. And I think that one of the points that was made in our previous space that we did together, Charles uh, and Kevin, was that this technology that has been used to create this type of a bioweapon, and whether it be the, the, the virus itself or the mRNA, genetically modified mRNA, 
regardless of the fact of how it's been used, it can also be used in many ways to uh, for the good. That that it's two sides. Uh, it's a double-edged sword. And You're talking can, about CRISPR, correct? Well, I'm not suggesting that we do anything more, any more gene editing. I really think that that is a bad idea. Um, but I, I guess the point I'm making is that the technology no, mRNA, mR, mRNA should never be used again. Right, and and that's ever. what I'm saying. It, that's what I'm saying is that I'm not suggesting that we use this technology to try to rewrite the genetic code to stop this. What I'm suggesting is that the technology was created due to the large amount of information that these research institutes, these universities, these NGOs, and the government has at their disposal. And so they took that information and they weaponized it in a way that, that gave them a, a bioweapon in more than one way which means that that same information that was used to craft this weapon can also be used to craft healing technologies, can be used to craft healing frequencies. Yeah. That's what can, they want, Jake. They want us to use the technology again to fix us. Well, I know, but that's what I'm saying is that, like, for example, and and I'm just spitballing here, but this this prion genomic sequence and these these uh, prion uh, compounds or uh, amino acids, right? They have a very specific frequency that those operate on in order to remain stable in their structure as far as on, on that microbiological level. But that frequency that they operate on is not the same frequency as healthy human tissue. And therefore, that means that if a certain frequency could be emitted into the body or the brain or whatever that would neutralize and dissolve these compounds or these amino acids, that it could be done to where we could basically purge the biological system of these amino acids and these, these prion-like compounds. Uh, that's one example. I think another example would be... Um, the use of certain plant medicines or certain herbs or spices or roots or fungi that could help to detox and purge the body and the cells of uh, whatever spike protein. I think, Lindsay, I've sent you a couple of videos uh, in the last couple of days of people talking about the things that they can do to detox over the course of three months to a year and get all this stuff out of their system. Yeah. You had enough? Oh, sorry. Did that come through to you guys? Uh, yes, and I was like, did you change uh, sexes? Um, no, we just need research. We don't know anything until they acknowledge us and research us. So. Well, but, but this what is what I'm saying. They? But hold on, hold on a second. You hold can't on a wait for them. No, 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 no. They know. Hold on. They know. They yeah, know yeah, because they know. because what Charles was saying earlier about the military and DARPA tracking the effects of these things in the in people in the military and stuff like that, they know what the side effects are. They know what these things are doing to people. Now, the only way they could they could get to the level where they create these bioweapons is if they already have the information necessary on like a fundamental cellular DNA biological uh, makeup level to use that information and weaponize. What I'm suggesting is that instead of using that information to create weaponry, we use it to create livingry. And that is possible. They have all the data there. They know how these things can be used one way or another. And I'll give you an example. For, uh, in, I think it was a, a whistleblower with the CIA 
um, came forward because he created a machine, he created a frequency that would allow the permeation of an ecosystem, uh, it would allow these plants to grow exponentially. Um, and without the need for like large amounts of water or time or whatever, it would end up like just rapidly growing these plants. And he was talking about how he was planning on using it to create massive uh, amounts of forest where there was deforestation. But then instead, uh, he was on a plane where he was told to use this technology. Instead, the CIA weaponized it and they used it in the exact opposite way. Instead of permeating life, they used it to take and destroy life and destroy these ecosystems through the use of these frequencies. And it was killing people. This guy said it was killing people. It was killing plants. It was killing animals. It was killing everything. And they were trying to clear the terrain so they could get the natural resources. So the point I'm making is that the information to create these things is there. And I think that the only real way that we're actually going to be able to move the ball down the field is not if we only tell people what the problem is and how dire the situation is, but then if we also offer them solutions. And Lindsay, before we go to your hand, I want to get Charles and Kevin's feedback on that notion, on everything I just said. So um, you're, you're right in that we have to um, be thinking about solutions. I'm putting a lot more of my time in that direction. I'm actively working to um, see if we can get a, um, we need to get a real measure on if that prion catalyzing epitope is actually doing something. Like I say, we, we don't know. All we have is the in vitro experiments at the moment. They indicate that it does, but we need to have a better idea of what the impact will be in the brain. I'm actively trying to um, do those experiments uh, at the moment. And then in with respect to what can you do um, in terms of countermeasures ourselves? And I do think that probably like you were saying, the best way is to find the um, the phenolics and um, combinations thereof that are going to be able to um, perhaps address some of the uh, breakdown of molecular biology at the cell level. Um, I don't think it's going to be an easy task. There's uh, an axiom with, um, especially once you've stepped into that prion space, is... Um, it, it's very difficult to treat. Um, I do think we can, we can for sure slow it down. Um, but my, con my concern right now is more if they've, if they've managed to take a swipe out of the reproductive health of countries and we're going to see cascading um, population collapses. That's where the real um, danger lies. Um, old, old people like myself, um, uh, you know, we might be able to apply some Kevin, learned. You could impregnate so many people before you die. That's a wonderful thing about a man. You men, until you're like dead, you can literally be making babies. So go out there and make babies. Well, that's that's the thing. And, you know, looking from the archaeogenomics, which does indicate there is evidence that there was a previous superprion event because of the distribution of polymorphisms that exist across the planet particular codons but positions in the in the protein the prion protein um the way the way to get around that is to let nature um do its um do its job and that would be uh, you have to you have to have newer generations coming through and 
you know, perhaps this is why they're so fixated on um, limiting populations and, um, you know, they, they couch it in um, ecological terms, etc., but uh, and resources. But perhaps they're, um, well... Uh, uh, We're currently giving birth to one out of 36 of our children have um, autism compared to in the 1970s, it was one in 200,000. Mm -hmm. So if you really look at it, if you were a governing body and you had an entire like, you know, uh, flock and they began to give birth to children, you know, that were having absolute difficulty that at one point in time, half of the military or more would be made up of autistic people. I'm pretty sure maybe this would occur. So what we've done is poisoned ourselves into almost extinction. Yeah. And, and, well, like and we funded said, it ourselves. And, and right, we funded and, and Jake, it ourselves. Jake is right. Like we do have different types of medicines that we can do, but why is Congress important? Really fast. Jake, you're going to Congress. I you could talk about it. Now, if you talk about it, every single one of those people that hears you, number one, it's on public record. Number two, the constituents that are, are the leaders. We will have to also have this out in mainstream, but the funding must stop for NIAD. DARPA needs a review on their bio, you know, their biologics. We need to pull our studies out of laboratories. We need to break contracts with Ukraine, with China, with Russia, wherever we're doing those things. The NIH needs to be investigated as well as the CDC. We have zero dollars in funding for the injured. Zero. Uh, under, I, I, you know what? It's funny though. Is every single person for. right now is injured. Every single one of us has yeah. been exposed. Yeah. Every one of us. Yeah, well, and this is, but this is why I, what I'm trying to say here, you guys, is that the situation is so dire and it is so intense, and most people can barely even wrap their minds around it. So when they do, it is scary. It's freaking scary. So we also need to, in one way or another, while we package these things together in a way that's easy to understand and people to wrap their minds around, we also need to formulate some form of a- I've already got all that in the lounge, the vaccine lounge. That's what the, we do the every solution, day. The solutions? Yeah, we have okay. different regimens and, and supplements and things that are helping, things that are not helping, what labs, what doctors, you know. We do our own because that's what we've nobody else is doing it. So we're doing our own, but we need like scientists who look at us. It looks Probably. like we lost Charles. Yeah. Um hmm. that's a bummer. Um, My question is, do they have an antidote or did Jekyll Hyde mad scientist just happen? Because that's it, what it's, I want it's to a know. potential when you listen to these neo Malthusians that they yeah. probably think, Oh, everyone's just gotta go. And um, you know, they're they're right. on they're on, like not even apparent if they kill themselves doing it. Yeah, they. they that if you're can, ideologically possessed enough, then you would, you, you would carry through with it, and particularly, perhaps it's not an antidote, right? But perhaps what they're thinking. Type. Uh, Doesn't it go into your bone? You you did a, a video not too long ago on one of your talks, which I really do appreciate. And one second so didn't you see inside of basically it had permeated all tissues now the yes. problem is is that when tissue replaces itself it thinks that this material is part tissue so to reject itself it's like ripping part of the vessel out which again is going to cause microclotting issues so like you know time you if you go out and drink you know a soda and have some pizza and a cigarette and get drunk and you're vaccinated like four times you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Now is a time where it would be 100% pure body and the intermittent fasting. Fasting works. Our bodies are magical. Why all of a sudden are we so afraid that we can't figure out how to do this? We long for homeostasis. But as long as we stop the assault of toxic chemicals, 
immediately. We cannot continue with assault after assault after assault. That has to cease. We must redo the Geneva Convention. We must retake control over bioweapons, and they need regulation just as much as nuclear power does, which is an international, you know, constant checking. We cannot have vials in California of Ebola and crap like that laying on the sides of the streets with, you know, running hoses. We have to take charge because obviously the people that were in charge were hella greedy and they screwed up. Really quick, because we got Charles back. Um, Charles, your thoughts on this notion of what I was saying earlier about the weaponization of this information that and how it was used to create these va these vaccines and these viruses and how that information could be used toward healing and stuff like that. Yeah, well, first I want to just apologize. I keep, who knows? I, I guess we can assume it's probably not. Uh, They're watching you. Nat natural. Oh, I know they're watching me, but um, anyway. Welcome to the club. Yeah. We're all being watched up here, so. <laughs> yeah. So. Who's watching me? So, yes. The censorship. Uh, Jake is right to talk about how the uh, there's a battle for the mind. And if you can control that with, with enough narrative and with enough distraction, then then it's hard for the truth to break through. And in this case, in addition to censoring all the terrible things about this virus, a part of the censorship was built around silencing the possible ways that we could fight back against everything that was happening. And of course, Everybody is aware of, you know, silencing the doctors who are speaking out against the vaccines, silencing people who are silence, silencing the WHO's own recommendations on remdesivir. People don't realize this, but the, even the WHO in the fall of 2020 said, yeah, remdesivir doesn't work. And so we're not going to add it to the global. We're going to remove it from what we recommend for, for protocols. And of course, several countries in the West but specifically the U.S., uh, said, screw that, and we're just going to keep doing it anyway. Yeah, they're and still giving it today. That's correct. And they were able, and people, the public doesn't know that the World Health Organization thinks that remdesivir is bad because they've censored that information. Just like in the West, they censored things about ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, or most egregiously, in my, from my perspective, even vitamin C and vitamin D. Zinc, mag, yeah. They were demonizing like, supplements. Right, and it, people may not know this, but they're even attacking supplement com companies in the U.S. and in other countries around the world. They're going after natural supplements now. They're becoming illegal in Canada. I think it already had happened. Nunes yeah, they're trying to, yep, they're trying to ban supplements in Canada. Absolutely. Correct. So, so there's that aspect. Um, when, when you censor the, from my perspective, when you when you look at it as they were censoring all the bad parts of the virus that just so happened to be artificial because they were tied to it. Okay, well you can understand somebody being afraid of of being exposed in that way. But what I, but what you cannot justify under any conditions, even if you are a even if you're afraid for yourself and your position, that still does not justify what they did to, to smother information about 
the good things that could be done, whether it was medications, whether it was new emerging technologies that were better than PCR that, that could have made it so that were the individuals, like mothers, could, could test their children and make an informed decision of, okay, is my kid sick or have they, have they already had it? And if they, if they are sick right now, um, are they still transmissible? There's actually tests that were being designed that could have put the power of testing into the individual's hands so that the individual could make decisions about what to do. Because, because once you take, once you give an individual that power, then it becomes a, a moral choice. And the, and the vast majority of people, when given that information, they will make the right moral choice. You know what? I'm sick. I tested positive. I know I'm positive because I tested positive. And I haven't had it before. And they, so not all of them, but what I'm saying is when you democratize to the low, to the lowest level, the ability of people to make their own decisions about their own health care and arm them with information, then you'll see a much better result on the population scale. And then we could have never had to deal with all of this lockdowns and all these other things. There's so many, there's so many different examples I could use. But the bottom line is, is that there are good things we can do right now and moving forward that are being suppressed. And there, I, I can't fathom any justifiable reason why they would be suppressed, any justifiable good reason why they would be suppressed. Are you saying treatments well, right now within these labs, like Jake was saying, to go ahead and go back to use a technology? What, like, give us all your notes. Let's see what you guys were doing, because usually there's, you know, countermeasure, bioweapon. So give us everything. But the, the countermeasure didn't work. It made people sick. That's why there's a question. And you remember, Gates, they wanted to vaccinate every single person on earth. I just watched a video from Tedros. I went through my videos. I had some say from 2021. Every single person. 80% was at least the target, including children who were not even getting sick. So this, to me, come on, you know, why, why everybody? And why everybody when you didn't even test it in the first place? And when you say people depopulation, didn't make the right, choices, right? But people didn't make the right choices not that long ago, dude. Okay, people have been walking behind a line that they've been told to walk behind for so long out of fear, fear, and fear. They're afraid to step out and be their own person. They're afraid of losing, you know, whatever they're afraid of. It's that's what's going to kill us is us being right, afraid. But that's, but that's conditioning, and that's what Jake talks about all the time. Is that the best way? To overcome that is through education and through people standing up and having the courage to say things that need to be said, educating themselves, and or and just having access to correct information. Access but to media this, to put the information out, maybe, right? Because we correct. have an active media against us. Yes. For what it doesn't really matter what the reasons are why they chose to suppress all this information because there is no possible justification that could be, that could, there's nothing that could justify the suppression of it. There's nothing, nothing rises to that level. And so it doesn't, it doesn't even matter what the answer is to why they did it. 
because it was wrong. And that needs to be exposed. And then the people, once the, because once the people understand what has happened to them, the rest of it will take care of itself. The inertia of the truth will take care of itself. And so what we have to do and what they're trying to stop is to get the truth out there so that way the people can, can understand what's happened and make their own decisions about how to move forward. Because I guarantee you that education will lead to, to accountability, so which is why the EPA, they don't want to do it. Before the EPA did, do um, you remember they recently put a limit on PFAS, which causes cancer? It's a carcinogen. It's all over everything. They had no regulation on it before. And we were pushing and pushing and pushing. Down here, there were a lot of people dying. And what we all did is we went to Washington and we visited offices. And we had megaphones and we were out in front of Washington, D.C. as a large group of people literally talking about PFAS. Now, two or three years later, what happens? They finally regulate PFAS. People finally understand what the PFOAs are, PFOS. I mean, please tell me at least 40% of you in the room may know those chemicals. These are, you know, the firefighting foam or what do you call it? Non-stick skillet stuff. So this can be done, but a pressure has to be applied. It has to be applied, not just from our computers, physically and i'm not talking about anything crazy literally they had we did plays with like funny characters with cancer you know like cancer cells and stuff and and with megaphones it was as peaceful just an education out somewhere where it would gain attention and if you're loud enough somebody's gonna have to pay attention to you and if you're kind enough and you're out doing it for love for the health of the people of the world then i think it will be received we all have a little tingling inside when we hear the truth so all we have to do is get a good voice in front of all the people. Jenny, really, you're, really, you're really, spot really, on. Really. It's a matter of that. It's not just that we, yes, we have to get the information. And without the information, the people are helpless to know what to do. They will listen to authority. It's just a natural inclination that has been beaten into us since we started kindergarten to like listen to authority. And it's unfortunate because we think that they're giving us the best information. But you're right. What we have to do is we have to disseminate the information, which we've been doing. But we have to be like, you have to imagine like how creative they were in getting their information out by pushing the vaccine. I mean, they had they had celebrities, they had billboards, they had everything you can think of, and they littered it everywhere for years. If we don't re retort back with the same level and same kind of ingenuity, we're not going to be able to top them. We have to come at it. There needs to be more comedians making jokes about this. Thank you, Jimmy Dore. There needs to be, you know, we, you know, we have a lot of smart minds in here. How do we share that in ways that can be understood by the everyday person, by kids, moms, dads, whoever, you know, just like the it's okay, I'm unvaccinated book. I heard about that. I'm like, that's so great. We need to continue making a multi-front war against that information with the correct information. Well, and really quick, I think that this is important because the language here is, is vital. I think that the real trick is to neutralize and disarm those that are attempting to uh, use these weapons. So how do we disarm these individuals? How do we neutralize their efforts? Because when we talk about going up against or when we talk about going to war, what we're essentially doing is we're playing within the polarized field of ideologies that they control. So when we talk about neutralization or disarming, 
then what we're talking about is rendering these individuals and their their propaganda obsolete. And the only way to do that, yes, you're right, is through a multi-leveled approach that factors in things like entertainment or infotainment, right? Entertainment that also factors in things like, uh, and that includes things like music and stuff like that, but also um, making the information digestible in a way that not only is it understood, but that it can be relayed to another in a way that is understood. That's why I used the example earlier of the uh, DARPA and these NGOs and the government having all of the ingredients to make a virus or the ingredients to make a cake that were all separate from each other. And only when they were combined did you get the cake. People can understand that metaphor. So what has happened here is that if we liken this virus and the mRNA and the way that these things are like ingredients in a much larger, like double layer cake, what we're talking about is using a metaphor or a simile or some sort of an analogy that is easy to mentally digest and that people can use and relay to others and say, yeah, well, this is what happened. This is how it works in a way that's inarguable, in a way that 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 cannot be disarmed or diffused or neutralized by propaganda, by the opposition. Um, now, go ahead, Charles. You, you, I see you unmuted your mic. Well, I was just going to say that that we do, we have to fight on multiple fronts because it's exactly, and I mean, you talk about full spectrum dominance all the time, and this is exactly what's been done to us. Um, I, I watched the the um, divisional, the NFL divisional playoff games last Saturday, and most of the commercials, just like you see in the news, most of the commercials were pharmaceutical products. And so, how did, how were we able, to make some strides in the world of sport? Well, we had athletes, well, some, many who dropped dead, but we had a few athletes with courage who were willing to stand up, like Novak Djokovic, like Aaron Rodgers, um, and people like that who are just horribly castigated and are still, to this day, being attacked. But they've remained firm and they've stood up and said what needed to be said. And they they may not have spoken with the eloquence of, you know, of, of a medical freedom doctor, but they spoke in the way that they knew to an audience that could understand and take what they were saying. And and they and the fact that they stood up, see, is is the most important thing. And that's why that's that's what I've done. Because, you know, I, I sold my house and, and, and went through all these life changes and losses and things because I was willing to stand up. And there's been lots of doctors who've done that. And that's, so there has to be courage, but then there has to be, um, there has to be meaning behind that courage. And in the case of Novak Djokovic, the tennis player, he had courage. He He's went against the grain, but he did it for a very specific reason. He was able to articulate it. It was about freedom. He disagreed with what was happening, and he stood up. And so that's what we need to do. And the the part that sucks is that, you know, for me or for other people, you know, in our little group, for instance, 
we are standing up and it's easy to suppress us because we, we, we don't come with inherent fame. Like I'm, I'm not a famous athlete, you know, Kevin's not, you know, a, a, a globally renowned soccer player or tennis player. And, and there's, there's many others. It's not just us. Of course, there's, there's many others. But it's easy to suppress us because we don't have that audience to begin with. And so, so that's a collaboration we... of people to go out and find those people. We've got Jake Chansley, one of the most famous people in the whole wide world that every single person on earth knows who he is. <laughs> and he's sitting right here. I agree. No, he's a good no. guy, too. He's a good person, which is why I, I, I love talking to him and being in these spaces because Jake has been there and done it. He's, he's, he's gone through prison in isolation uh, for without knowing you know how long he was going to be there or the things he was going to have to go through and they tried to destroy him and they couldn't because he continued to stand up it's clear that while he was in prison he was working on mental strength he was researching things trying to become better versed trying to become a better spokesperson for the ideas that he has and so where before he was characterized, they're, they're still trying the same thing, but they can't because, because when people actually hear him, they hear more. It's, it's very similar no to what fear. people do with Trump. He has yes. no fear. He, has, he knows that when he steps out the front door, he can be himself. And that's what each of us have to have. We each well, have to have, you know, to well, walk out the door, open our mouth without fear. Well, it's not even, it's not even about fear. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's the acceptance of it and the willingness to continue going on anyway. Amen. That's, that's Say that what again, I used, please. That's what I used to teach. <laughs> okay, I'll say it again. Louder for the people. You've never know. heard that quote. Come on. I was, I was a Marine leader. I used to teach leadership. And courage is not the absence of fear. It is overcoming that fear in spite of it, its existence. And so I will never stand up and say that I've not been fearful of losing things i i knew that it was going to cost me things if if i continued to stand up and i refused to go back and do a normal job and live a normal life i knew that it was going that it was going to require sacrifice and jake understands that leadership requires sacrifice and so when you see leaders who sacrifice others instead of themselves whether it be Fauci or, or other people, or even people in the resistance. When you see people who are, who are called leaders, but they are self-interested, and they're afraid to go out on a limb, that is not leadership. Because true moral leadership requires moral courage. Yeah, what way, you're talking about is cowardice. That's correct. There's no need for leaders when you have a global pressure I'm to gain it right it financially. You just grab dumb people to put in those leader positions. That's what they're doing. They're working from a top-down procedure to put everyone in any sort of administration as a week. I worked for the VA for like a decade. That is a whole bunch of people just willing to do whatever they want and push a pencil. So everyone That's exactly like, right. Yes. That's hey, what Justin Trudeau that. is. That's what Joe Biden is. That's what Jacinda Ardern was. That's what Rishi Sunak is. This this is what um, oh my god I can't remember the guy's name in France I'm space Macron but I'm telling you Macron. Macron, yeah. Macron, Macron. Macron all what of you, these what people. do you call him Jake Swindlers and what do you call him 
Swindlers in suits and liars in ties. Yep. They are not leaders. There's not a leader amongst them, which is why, you know, when Joe Rogan refuses to back down, or that's why when, you know, Novak Djokovic, for instance, A, it's noticeable because there's so few people standing up, but it's also so inspirational because, because people see that. And there's nothing more contagious than inspiration. And, and you have to have courage to inspire other people. Well, I would, I'll just so, add, there might, there might just be a bit of karma that goes with that standing up because, a little caveat here, the reporter who was hounding uh, Djokovic died this week from a heart attack. For, uh, that's correct. Yeah. So, you I know. Mean, there, was, there, there was a thousand reporters who were hounding Djokovic. And that one was, yes, in particular, mm. that was one of them. And remember the heart attack gun. The CIA has a heart attack gun. Well, they got heart attack shots now. Um, yeah. <laughs> injection. <laughs> so they've stepped up their game. That's yeah, a really, really, really quick, you guys. I'm, I'm sorry to say, I'm not trying to cut this short, but we got to go to some of these hands and requests because I, uh, yeah, I have that. a camp, I have a campaign event that I have to go to where I'm trying to get signatures, and I have to, I have a hard out here in like, oh, about maybe 20, 30 minutes at the most. So um, let's go to Ashton. Um, and then Hold I on, see Mary. Can I say something real quick? No. I survived a bioweapon, bitches. <laughs> anyway. Ain't got me yet. Um, let's go to Ashton, and then we'll go over to Miriam, and then I'll start letting up some of the people that have been waiting a while. Um, I'm going to try to get to everybody. I can't promise I will, but because uh, we got a heart out here in like uh, 20, 30 minutes at the most. But uh, I'm going to try to give out some mics as much as I can. So hey, go ahead, Ashton. I'll, I'll drop down to listener if you need to bring someone up. Oh, well, thank you, Destiny. I appreciate your contribution. I'm really glad you're in here. And I shared your post, by the way, the one you put up in the nest. So thank you for that. Thank um, you. Of course, thank you, and I'm glad that you were up here and gave your testimony. Um, Ashton. Hey, Jake. Uh, thanks for having me. I just wanted to come in and support you and everybody else in here. I just wanted to make a few different uh, statements related to the topic you guys are talking about. I've been in healthcare for 20 years. I've been on the IT side, but I've been witnessing it. In fact, I'm, I'm probably taking a bit of a risk just to speak on the space in general. And I think that goes to show that we are in a bit of an information war of propaganda right now. Again, I don't like the word war either, but that's really what this is. is a, it's a matter of information uh, battling back and forth. And what that does is it creates this culture of fear, especially within people in the healthcare uh, community. Um, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had where people have to like lower their voice when we start talking about stuff related to COVID. Uh, stuff like the masks, the shots, etc. And then to your guys' point, it becomes a question of, well, how do you battle back against something that has mainstream media coverage when you talk about the commercials that you're seeing on every major sporting event, etc. You know, one recommendation, which I think you guys mentioned, is that comedy breaks down disinformation and brainwashing. To me, that's clearly been the most effective tactic at breaking it down. How do you get the message out? I think the answer there is alternative media, right? Mainstream media, like you guys mentioned, is never going to cover like this side of it. In fact, when people do stand up and have the courage, that's why they, the mainstream media tries to tear them down, right? Because they know how effective it is when people are brave. Like, you know, you mentioned some of those sporting athletes, Djokovic, Rogers, that, that are willing to stand up, right? Um, some of the other things I would say as well is just real quick. You know, you're, we can't belittle or compromise our integrity. Uh, we can't stoop to the level of the opponents in this case because then that gets used as an attack vector back against us when we are 
arguing for things like um, bodily autonomy, for example. Um, we need to be very careful about the messages we put out related to it because they will get distorted by those media. Um, and if we don't, if we don't, then otherwise we'll get marginalized ourselves in, in those approaches and views. Lastly, what I would say is I think one of the most powerful uh, slogans that I've heard is using like my body, my choice for bodily autonomy, right? Because a lot of the people, at least in the United States, that are against it, you know, happen to uh, be on the left, and and so this idea of my body, my choice kind of breaks down some of that brainwashing, where really. All rights, kind of the way I approach it, at least, is that your uh, rights begin where my or your rights end where mine begin, right? So for me, it's a matter of everybody can put whatever drugs you want in your body, but just don't force me to do it personally. And that's my opinion. Thanks for letting me talk. Uh, sorry, sorry to interject here. I'm really, really sorry. Um, I actually have to dip out. I have Dr. Daniel Nagazi just uh, arrived at the station. I wasn't expecting him to arrive so early so um just to the point that ashton was making um it is vitally important that we build out alternative networks that's what i spend a lot of my time doing um we do have a streaming video on demand platform that we've built up it's open source um we've got our own server architecture if people want to go and use that sign up upload uh, all these politicians all these what, what was it that um so ties ties and Swind lies swindlers swindlers in suits and liars in ties yeah that if you've got video of these people and uh, upload it there please and um let's try and keep a record of that and uh, jake i'd like to really introduce you to um i don't know if you know him dr nagaze um he was sort of pivotal in canada for calling out um the vaccines and um he was uh, he's been hounded by the state in um in Canada. So um, perhaps we could set up a space another time and uh, I can introduce you to him. He's a fascinating character. Absolutely. Um, send him uh, send him my profile and see if he can DM me or we can do a uh, group chat, you and me and him, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll make something happen. Cool, cool. I gotta go. Thank you, Charles. Uh, you're always a gentleman, sir. And um, I gotta drop out the call. So. Thank you, Kevin, for all your work on the prions. It's really helpful. I mean, it's a big deal. You're going to be in the history books, I'll tell you that. It's really well, important what you're I'd doing. I'd rather another up be this instance, but <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Kevin. All right. Um, folks, yeah, I've got to go. Daniel's just turned up at the station, and um, I'll be... Uh, busy for the, for the time being um i'll speak to you later what i will say is um i want to say thank you to um vex and uh ami and vm um for supporting the stream today um this is this is funds for charles he's uh he's as broke as me now so um please 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 um if you've got a spare shekel um try to let's let's try to um ease some of that uh pressure on on charles at the moment i gotta go i gotta end the stream real quick but um thank you all for tuning in and uh i'll see you uh in the next one i'm probably with uh daniel all right take care